I think music in itself is healing. It's an explosive expression of humanity. It's something we are all touched by no matter what culture we're from. Everyone loves music. Ladies, gentlemen, and variations thereupon, this is Modern Escapism. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. My name is Oodles, the thin white duke of podcasting. Joining me to get today, should I say, it's the motherfucking PIMP. It's Biggie. Ow! I'm good. Because <laughs> he's in too deep. It's Gadget. I'm just trying to keep my head above water. Why? We are the boss of the maggots! It's Candy. Yes. Hello. And it's so funny how we don't talk anymore. It's Stig. <laughs> Cliff Richard joke. I don't talk, sorry. <laughs> Welcome to our second themed month. This month we will be celebrating music, the universal language of love and celebration. But before we get into the show, please consider becoming one of our sexy and incredibly cool patrons to help us divide and conquer the podcasting world. Details are in our show notes, but mainly check out our website modernescapism.co.uk for more exquisite content and links to everything we do. And just a quick aside on our patron tiers. What? We, uh... Thank all the patrons that have donated their hard-earned money to support us so far. This week, though, we have added a new tier, the £1 Supporters Coffee Fund. As treasurer of this motorcycle gang, Gadget has more info on that. Yes, it's called the Helping Hand tier, and it's £1 per month plus VAT. Um, this one is just if you know if you just want to t- toss us a bit of um, assistance or just to say thank you or anything like that. Um, and for your pound a month, you'll get our eternal gratitude. Um, you'll get Biggie Cuddles wherever he may appear. And he does appear, yep. he just comes out of holes in the ground. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to watch out for it. Dangerous when he gets to hit the M25, my God. Um, <laughs> but for you'll also get kind of access to any Patreon posts that we put up. So like we put up um, a, a feedback post every week. Um, the ability to participate in any polls, which I'll explain in a second. Um, yep. You can you get access to the kind of the Patreon mail, so you can send us ideas for topics you'd like us to cover on modern escapism, and you also mm. get a link to the uh, submission form where you can submit NPCs, and item ideas for do Dragon Stream score cheap um, wow, for a pound for a pound plus VAT plus VAT. Uh, the the other thing is we are going to start doing so we do these theme months um, and we you know we pick everything with these themes. What we're going to start doing is, and this applies to all patrons uh, on the Modern Escapism, Modern Escape East tier, and the Biggie Bundle tier. Um, you'll be able to. We're going to put a vote out for the the last uh, last episode of the month of, yep. of what you, what you can choose. We'll put three or four ideas out there, and the patrons get to pick which it is. It's the Patreon's choice. From as little as one pound plus VAT. Come on. Again. What are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? But enough of that boring corporate shilling. It's time for the segment that has taken a life of its own. And whew, now with 30% less Marvel discussion, it's biggest breaking news. <laughs> you may already know, but he doesn't, because it's time for Biggie's Breaking News. That's right, old news brought to you first. Um, and football has finally come home. That's right. Yes. The Lionesses 
Beat Germany. It's 2-1. It's in the Euro it's Final 2022. Well done, wow. you girls. Well done, ladies. Sensational. Sensational. Amazing stuff. And what a, that first goal was insane. Mate, I was shit missing it second half. <laughs> <laughs> it's because as an England fan, we're too accustomed to things are going to go wrong. And then yeah. Germany score with like 10 minutes to go. And you're like, not penalties, are going not wrong. <laughs> but no, they fucking dug down deep and uh, won. And they won. It's fucking mint. I tell you what, that last that last um, like five minutes in uh, second half for extra time where they were just playing in corner, I was like, yes, that's a tactic that... The, the England men should start taking out. Start doing those little ta- those little. It's kind of a play that they're doing like American football, like keeping the clock going, keeping the clock. High. They tried to do that. Unfortunately, England's men scored in the second minute, and trying yeah. to do that for another ninety minutes, <laughs> kind of <laughs> keep doing it. Fell flat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sensational. Not fantastic. Rare. She must be used to doing all the birthday cards at home because the amount of cards she gave out tonight was it that? seven in total? That Something like that. Absolutely. It was a, a fast paced game. I'm so impressed. Just yep. the amount of running they all done. Both teams, you know, just insane. Absolutely insane. Absolute testament. Absolute testament. Fantastic. It was fantastic. So, yes. Next. Done to them. Speaking of the Euros, the UK will be hosting the Eurovision Song Contest next year after organisers decided it could not be held in the winning country, Ukraine, due to obvious ongoing war. Mmm. The Makes Ole, sense, really. excuse the uh, pronunciation, I think it's Ole or Ole Pasuk, the lead singer of 2022's Winners Kalush Orchestra, um, expresses gratitude to the UK for holding the event in support of the country. Yeah, we're holding it for them, really, aren't we? It's, mm. I think it's a nice bit of solidarity, really. I'm excited but to got... try and get tickets. But but I really hope we do it as if we kind of co-host with them. It would be nice no, to have No, no, it's the UK. And... We're going to melt the shit out of <laughs> <I know>. it. <laughs> there be Union Jacks nice. everywhere. There's going to be no we'll Ukrainian begin... flags at all. We'll begin Ukraine <laughs> nil every fucking time. <laughs> what, what it'll be is like, it'll start out with a big um, presentation of Ukraine and then someone yeah. will hit a button and all, the, <laughs> and then all the flags will turn to Union Jacks. <laughs> <laughs> God, imagine imagine, imagine how pissed Graham Norton's going to be doing the commentary. Oh, oh God. so pissed, giggling. <laughs> oh, yeah, but yeah, it makes sense. Like, unfortunately, yeah, they can't do it. And with the UK coming second, a joint host kind of to let them host. Really, it should be them that uh, it should be Ukraine that present it. I don't really know how it how it is presented. To be honest, I don't really watch it. I've never watched it either. But it's like, wait, <laughs> it's a bit basically whoever whoever wins it hosts it the next year. I know that bit. I just don't know how it's like. Do they I don't even know what they do. do. They usually add a bit of flavour of their own country into yeah, the presentation yeah. stuff. Mm, yeah. They tend to do like little clips of, um, like in between the acts, they show clips of the country and cities and stuff. So just whilst they're um, breaking down the stage and setting up again, they, 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 they'll they'll have artists come on from the country that aren't related to Eurovision, but you know, or like personalities who's like hosting bit, bit, uh, different bits and pieces of it. So. Sadly, again, uh, we've had a couple of actors uh, retired this week. Uh, it seems to be an ongoing thing. It's not a, a start. Um, it's ever since we started doing Biggie's years. breaking news. They're dropping like flies. I'm wondering if there is a curse to this segment. Maybe. But sadly, uh, we lost British actor David Warner, uh, one of my favourites mm. from The Omen, and Tron, of course, um, mm. aged, aged 80. Uh, he was also in Titanic, Time Bandits, and Straw Dogs, as well as uh, renowned for Hamnick. Yeah, fantastic. The fantastic R- work. He's that um, yeah. that meme of the crying man, isn't he? Yes. 
Yeah. No, no, no. That's that's the other person that's retired. Oh, yes, it is. And speaking of which, it's Paul Salvino, um, actor best known Not him, as him. the mobster. <laughs> oh, Paul Cero in uh, Goodfellas. We've lost two from Goodfellas uh, this year. Yeah, I know. It's in such a close space of time as well. Yeah. Fucking hell, he, man. he was Fucking fantastic hell. in that, amongst other oh, roles. God, he's he was for. sensational. He'll always be remembered. The cooking scene when they're in prison. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Oh, my God. So good. One of my favourite scenes ever. Have you ever actually tried shaving garlic, though? It doesn't work. Nope. I tried it. No, it doesn't. (laughs) It was a lie. It's a mean Italian trick that he was playing on the world. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, um, Moving on from that. I was just saying, actually, it's Bernard Cribbins, who the other actor that's passed away this week. I um, unfortunately got mixed up there. Yeah. It was in Doctor Who. Doctor Who, and many other children, Wombles, yeah. yeah, yeah, another kind of British in- institute as an actor, to be honest. Yeah, fantastic, yeah. fantastic. Ninety-three, yeah, yeah, passed away. And yes, yeah, solidified by the crying meme, which um, hopefully goes on in his honour. I know no one wants to become a meme forever, but it's a testament, isn't it? In a way. Uh, moving on for that, we got um, a single-player open-world RPG announced, Black Panther. Uh, but unfortunately, it will be published by EA. So who knows what that? Let's let's hope it goes all the way. But they, so, you have a habit of cancelling games. So a single player open world RPG in the Marvel. It's going to be microtransactions all the way through. Microtransactions from the top to the bottom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless, unless they do what they did with the Star Wars. Did I fall in order? Yeah. You never know. Do, I know they weren't officially them. Nah, they just published it's open world. Yeah. It's an RPG. It's microtransaction yeah. city. Yeah. It's unclear <laughs> it's if be, um, the uh, main character be T'Challa at this point. So um, we'll have to see what they uh, decide. Because obviously, Black Panther can be anybody, really. Well, he's not T'Challa in the books anymore. Um, not for a long time. I think they'll keep it as T'Challa uh, because with these games, they don't have the image rights anywhere. So it, it's yeah. um, it it can just be a made up. Looking to Charla. Yeah. 30% less Marvel. Let's go. <laughs> You're sticking with Marvel. <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel Cretton, who held last year's Shang-Chi. He has come aboard to direct what was mentioned last week. Uh, the Avengers, the Kang Dynasty. Dynasty, wherever you're from. Um, so, yeah. Um, Dynasty. <laughs> you and that word. <laughs> I don't know what this means, he's, oh, whether he's going to, um, whether Shang-Chi 2 is coming in between that then or not, because he's meant to be, he's attached to direct Shang-Chi 2. The only, time that, the only time that can come is at some point between Fantastic Four and the Kang Dynasty. Yep. Um, mm. No, now you've got, now you've got me questioning me whether it's Dynasty, dynasty yeah. <laughs> fuck, off, fuck you, Biggie. <laughs> um... Yeah, Funny, so is Shang-Chi going to be post all this, or is it going to sneak it in there, or is he just going to... I think they might sneak pro- it in there, because when they were doing the announcement, there were, there were a lot of kind of spots that could be filled with something. There's there's quite a few mm. gaps in the Phase 4 and 5 line, uh, five and 6 lineup. Maybe they're on with it the already, the though, movie, they? Yeah. Didn't it say at the end of Shang-Chi that he will return? Yeah, yeah. I know all of them. Oh, I've never noticed, to be honest. I think there's that Disney convention as well coming up, isn't there? And I think they were probably saving a couple of announcements for that. D20 this year? Yeah. I think so. Yeah, they, they probably were holding stuff back for that specifically. They don't want to release everything at Comic-Con. Mm. Next! No more Marvel? <laughs> no, 
moving on to something even worse. Um, we're talking about uh, WWE. Uh, four of the 2K <laughs> games have now quietly been removed from sale um, from Steam, Uh-oh. consoles, etc. Um, from all the stores. Uh, apparently, they put an announcement out saying on the 30th of June 2022, it would be time for the WWE 2K20 servers to take their retirement. See, they use what we use and stop online services. 2K warned in a brief customer support two months ago. To be fair, those games sorry, are but the, fucking they're, yeah. they're riddled with bugs and absolutely... I was just about to say, does anyone <laughs> play the older cool. ones when the newer one comes out anyway? I, so, as, no. I, I, still, th- I still think it's a, it's a bit of a bit of a shit turn where it's like 2K20 is two years old and they're, and they're turning it off. Like, Granted, it's the most memed game in existence because it was utterly broken upside it's down fucked. and inside out when it was released. They all had really long arms. Ooh. Or the eyes one, uh, bleeding I, out of their heads. I, I, it's the best yeah. one. That, that referee that's arm just kind of spins round yeah. and through his body <laughs> and then, like, gives a thumbs up and you're like, what's he doing? <laughs> He's possessed. If I were a feature. I mean, um, that one should have been a feature. They missed out hmm. 2K21 because they scrapped it and rebuilt it from the ground up. So yeah. it's understandable where they just kind of gone, don't play yeah. them. And, and to be fair, it. the new ones actually, if you're a wrestling fan, meant to be really good. They've actually fixed a lot of the stuff. Um, who who, so who knew that giving the developers a decent amount anyway. of time to make the game would make it work and better? <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? Yeah. Rather than just trying to build, put new character models and, and features into an old system. Basically, <laughs> you're listening, kept, just kept, are you listening? Just kept adding on, like from like 2K16, and just added on every year, but just, oh, well, this wrestler's out, this wrestler's in. Yeah, yeah, not fixing the code. <laughs> Next. Grand Theft Auto 6 has had quite a bit of news this uh, week. Mm. Uh, apparently it will include a playable female protagonist for the first time. The character of God, is it 2022 or what? <laughs> this should have been years ago. This should have yep. been years ago. Although, as the internet does, they all kicked off until actually there have been... Um, Protagonists since way back in 1997 that were female, including the original GTA, had four female protagonists. It did. Um, it's not the girls same, can't it. shoot it, guns. Everyone knows lit- they've got no aim. Literally, they were literally like top down character models that looked exactly the same as the men. None of them. Really no, they had, had ponytails. Ponytails because all girls have ponytails as well. But do you know what I mean? It's not yeah. the same as what we've had since GTA Three, is it? Is it fuck? So it's. Ridiculous. I think it's. I'm, I'm welcoming it. Apparently, it's going to be like a Bonnie and Clyde style storyline. That is what's really getting gripping me. I'm like, oh, yes, let's keep it heavy narrative. And in Vice City. Oh, that's the yeah. bit I'm excited about. Yeah. Set in Miami. Mm-mm-mm. Give me those, give me like, the, give me those linen suits about, and pastel I, shirts. Yes. I totally get all that. My only concern really is that I feel like they should have maybe gone somewhere else for a change, something different. No. But I think they should do more, something really clever and brave. Cool. They should be brave, and I know Rockstar aren't that brave. They should do Vice City 70s. You're talking. Mm. Nah, now we're talking. What, what a decade for weird fashion and like Florida itself booming. Everything's happening. This stuff with Cuba going on, like the 80s, but a bit mm. more heavy under. I think 70s would be prime. All those wooden cars. Oh, man. Be so good, so good. Do it. Be brave. Bonnie and Clyde, seventies. And of course, Rockstar, uh, assuming it's successful, will continue to update the game over the time, adding new missions and cities on a regular basis. Apparently, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it's going to all be online. I predicted this. 
Next. Uh, There's going to be uh, a new, um, or has been a new beta out for the PS5, um, which is adding some additional community requested features. They're rolling out um, cheaper games. 1440p support. Gameless. I mean, why <laughs> Why do they wait so long before they go, yeah, people might want to put things in folders because lots of games. Um, and additional other updates uh, could be coming that way. Um, that folds on PS4, also... didn't we? Yeah, like four years into it. <laughs> hey, let's not let's not let's not throw throw stones in glass houses because Nintendo they haven't changed their UI once. Yes, and you still suckle at their teat. <laughs> yes, but look at the themes you've got, the options you've got: white and you've got black. And you still say the Switch is your favorite console. It is. It's so good. <laughs> to be fair, that that Switch uh, UI is spot on. Nothing wrong with it. it. It's, yeah, it's about as good. It's about as good as it needs to be, isn't it? It doesn't need to yep. do anything mm-hmm. fancier. Yeah. And speaking of Sony, um, they've revealed that 79% of all of their PS5, PS4 games were sold digitally. Um, yeah, so since their um, increase for the start of the, finan- the fiscal year of 2022, 13% boost. So compared to previous years, it's 71%, then it dropped down to 62 So although they're still having issues with their forecast of how many consoles they're going to be selling, because they expected to ship something like 18 million by this time this year, and they're still down to about 2.3 million. So obviously the chip extent made 18 million supply that's why. issues, and eBay scalpers have caused massive issues. Mm. Well, the thing is, if it's eBay, out. if it's eBay scalpers, they've still been sold, haven't they? So yeah. they've still sold them. Yeah, yeah they it's don't still, care. It's still a chip issue, and they're also talking about. Um, well, they haven't unconfirmed that they're raising the price next year as well. Apparently, the PS5 is yeah. going up. Everything's going up. Everything costs a fortune to create. It's one of those sad things, unfortunately. Got to roll with it. Actually, it's fast now. That's the one thing. Actually, I forgot to put the news story into the into the into the document for you, Biggie. But um, the Meta Quest Two is going up in price next month. Mm. So it's so that, it's that, so that, that show that shows me that they're expecting something coming out. So the. 128 gig version, which is the bottom one, you currently buy it now for 299 pound, and it's going Oof. up. It's going up to 400. So get on the, Klarna. I'm going to get it on Klarna. <laughs> yeah, they're basically chucking 100 quid on it from next month. So if you want one, buy it today. Fuck. Yeah. Fuck. I'm just quickly going back I'll to Sony. Today. They also apparently mentioned that the amount of active users on PSN dropped by four million in the latest quarter. So I personally think they left. Any competition for Game Pass way too late, and what they've announced now, as we talked about before, is okay. It's fine for new joiners to PlayStation. It's a fantastic deal. Yeah, I, think I still think the majority late. of PlayStation uh, gamers are uh, single player gamers. Really, still, so I still think that is the console for that. And I probably agree. With I, can't, that. I can't. I can't imagine even half of people that own PS5 have got. Um, PlayStation Plus, I can't see it. I can't see it. I, n- I never that's get it on direct debit. I, I always get it the month I want it. I think there's a big FIFA kind of scene on Yeah, there will be. There will be because they've been playing it since PlayStation 1. They're used to that mm. controller type and stuff. And some people don't like change, but I, I still think majority of PlayStation, like, that's why they're all their first party are all single player games and stuff. It just, it just adds up, doesn't it? It tracks. Next. MGM has lost the film rights for Tomb Raider and a bit of Oh no, what are we going to do? 
<laughs> get another reboot. To try, and, <laughs> yeah, to try and acquire the rights so that they can release another. I want another Lara Croft Raider. origin story, please, because that's all we need in life. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell, this is about a Spider Man now, isn't it? When you game. Oh, Batman, yeah. The pearls. Ugh. Some of the plans for a new Tomb Raider game has apparently been uh, leaked, and uh, apparently it's could have an experienced Lava Croft leading a team of Tomb Raiders. Nice play on the word oh there. Oh, my word. It's just, so, I don't know. It's just, it's news to me that's like, I'll just, Tomb Raider, I, I like the Tomb Raider games. It's always one of them, I'll just wait for a score, see what it gets. Mm. Mm. It's hard to get excited by. It's always been the same. Yeah. Last Tomb Raider I, I really got excited about was the reboot, and I absolutely loved it, and it, it shattered all my illusions of what it could be. And I like the other two afterwards, but it's never a day one for me. It's always, oh, oh 85, I'm Metacritic. Mm, I'll get that when it's 20 quid. Yeah. That kind of thing. Totally agree. Shame. Uh, speaking of which, uh, which is not related at all, Ben Affleck will return as Batman. In <laughs> speaking of Tomb Raider, Ben Affleck. The... <laughs> <laughs> um, he, he knows Angelina Johnny. Um, Probably. Ben Affleck will return as Batman in Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. Oh. I don't think it'd be having Amber Heard in that. <laughs> you think? They spent millions getting rid of her. I, just why? They, they, it's flogging a dead horse at this point. The DCE is just mate, pretty Aquaman dead. Aquaman 2 and Aqu- Aquaman. Aquaman 2, what am I about? Aquaman fucking made millions. People fucking loved it. I thought it was bang average. People fucking <laughs> loved it. Jason, uh... Yeah, they, they don't Momoa. like Aquaman. They like Jason Momoa. Yeah. I get it. <laughs> He's a very handsome man. That's why I can't just but... a mortgage payment going to see it. <laughs> he is wet all the way through it, and I, and there's big crabs and stuff in it. It's it's an all right. I, I just I, I didn't get it. I was like, why? It's, it's what the same thing I got with Avatar. Why does everyone love this? It makes no sense to my feeble little mind. But here you go. It is what it is. Ben Affleck. <laughs> Leonardo DiCaprio apparently will star in the wager for Apple TV um, with Martin Scorsese set to direct so they've obviously worked together before I'm into it follows a trial where a British crew survives shipwreck and six months later another crew washes ashore and claims they were actually mutineers I'll kind of watch Intriguing. DiCaprio do anything really yeah. I think he's, he's, he's one of those leading men that Always uh, draws me in. I think he's sensational. Again, some people are like, Leonardo DiCaprio from that Titanic. Fuck off. No, that's not him anymore. Do you know what I mean? He's, he's, he's class. an Oscar winner. It's fucking sensational. DiCaprio. For the wrong film as well. But never mind. Yeah. For the wrong time he yeah. survives the shipwreck. Yeah, I'm, I'm up for it. It's Scorsese, so it's going to be a nice four and a half hour film or show. It's going to be a 25 hour show. <laughs> it's going to be massive <laughs> given Scorsese the man that needs an editor a full show fucking hell it's going to be 94 episodes maybe they've just told him it's going to be a film <laughs> yeah that's it it's going it's to it's be four episodes it's going to be like good film like, it's not a film Martin it's not a film <laughs> bless him uh, next up um, now I don't know how to pronounce this is it Zoom Zoom is it Z-A- UM, I just realised I don't know how Zaum. to pronounce the developer's name. Zaum. Yeah. Who, of course, um, the developers behind Disco Elysium, uh, apparently doing a sequel set in Jamrock Quarter. 
No, 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 no. The, the, the hiring for the next game. The the person who tweeted tweeted that story is saying my money's still on a Disco Elysium sequel set in the Jamrock Quarter. They've not confirmed anything. Just at the hiring. It'd be nice to see a new IP from them. See if they've got anything else there. See if it's not a one trick pony. Mm. I mean, I'd happily see more Disco Elysium. Yeah, me too. Oh God, yeah, absolutely. No, no arguments from me there. But it's nice to see them do a completely different genre. See what they've got. Yep, just keep doing that genre. I'm happy with that kind of like CRPG <laughs> kind of thing, expertly written, right? Oh, yeah, me on too. Politics, but... but yeah, no, just d- d- don't don't fuck with what they're excellent at. <laughs> just like to see different. I want to see. Do, 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 do you walk up to Gordon Ramsay and say, "I'd love you to make me a Big Mac"? <laughs> <laughs> he did it. He did that on YouTube once. You remember? And it was it it was shocking. I want to see what other ways they can make Harry die. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Mm. Either way, I'm, I'm I'm excited to whatever they do. I'll, I'm 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 there for it. Yeah, absolutely. Next, and finally, a twenty-four comedy, everything, everywhere, all at once has finally cleared a mass. Uh, sorry, again, a major box office milestone. And it's hit 100 million in global ticket sales. Thoroughly deserved. It's also it's the first day of 24 filled to do that. It's, it's great that like people are going out the way now to see non-blockbusters. I, I, it's like a cinema renaissance and fucking lovely. It's lovely. Mm. Yeah, it's nice to see weird films getting attention. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've not seen any like fuss over a film, like a weird indie film since like Donnie Darko. You know what I mean? On that level. Donnie Darko was a massive like cultural like zenith at that point. I mean it came out perfectly when it needed to. And this is just it's done the exact same thing. Yeah. It's lovely. It was weird the way they released it as well, because it's not like it was released one day and then it was just out for a couple of weeks and then left. They released it for in a couple of in a couple of cinemas for like a day yeah. or so. And then took it away again. And then they waited for the mouth. reviews to come out. Yep. And then yeah. released it again for another week. I think there might have even been a third wave as well. So they were definitely like yeah. dipping their toe in, but I wonder how that affected the um, the uh, the profits from it. Just I think I think w- whichever whichever streaming service grabs that first, they'll do uh, big numbers, mm. big numbers. Mm. Cool, cool. That's Is that it, it then, Biggie? Yeah, Excellent. just over to uh, Candy for the final word on sport. Oh yeah, big big sporting. 10 out of 10 sports this week. Actually, it was 10 yeah. out of 10 sports this week, so yeah, I can't even joke about that. Come on, the Lionesses. Yes! <laughs> Absolutely sensational. Right, let's get on with it. It's Nexus time, and I want to know what Gadget's been doing. What have you been uh, doing? So I have been... Uh, I started reading a new book this week, um, which I'll get, I'll get into when um, I finish it, but... It's called uh, Do You Dream of Terror 2? And it's a um, science fiction novel by a British author called Temi O. Um, it's fucking brilliant so far. Um, big recommend. Um, but I'll go into it properly when I've finished it. But I just want to get tell people, go find this book. Um, the main thing I've been doing is... Uh, I, I can't believe it's taken me so long to start playing it, considering I live, love the original so much. But I've been playing Spider-Man Miles Morales on the um, PS5. Good game. It's 30% a- less Marvel. I know, <laughs> but also kind of ten percent more PlayStation, so I kind of it averages out. Um, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, it's just a really fucking good game. Like I loved the it's brilliant. Um, I loved Insomniac's first stab with like the main 
game, Spider-Man on the PS4. I adored that game inside out. I thought it was one of the best superhero games ever made. Um, mm. Kind of gave me the vibes of Spider-Man 2 on the PS2. You know, that's kind of what I wanted from it, and it delivered. Um, and the Miles Morales one is just a little bit more of the same. It's not as long as... I think it's, um, I think it's a little campaign. bit better. I like Miles as a character more than than the way that Insomniac acted yeah, Peter Parker. Yeah, me too. Me um, too. He just seems a bit more earnest and honest about things. But it might it's be because cool. he's... It's just cool. Yeah, it might be because he's like he's early on in his career, he's learning to be Spider-Man, whereas in like the, the original game, Peter Parker's like eight years into being Spider-Man, so he's just kind of gotten used to it. Um, yeah. But this is, yeah, so this tells the story. It's kind of like the first time that uh, Miles has to look after the city without Peter Parker being there, because Peter Parker goes on a Christmas holiday somewhere. Um, so you're... <laughs> lo- an holiday. Yeah. You're looking after New York City by yourself and discover some grand massive conspiracy as the Tinkerer has come to town with um, the underground gang, um, and they all have these incredibly overpowered weapons, and you have to just fuck their shit up. All the while, there is Roxon just being a bunch of dicks. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's a very unsubtle stab at Exxon, which I'm fine with. <laughs> um, but no, it's it's really good. The, the lad who plays Miles is absolutely brilliant to play in the role. Uh, I'm playing it, so I'm playing it on the PS5, and I'm using the Performance RT uh, move yes, for it. Yes, the middle one. Yeah, well, so the game doesn't have native 4K, so it's checkerboard, so it's it, oh. it, it does like a... a a half-scaled version of 4K, then it's like a 2K image that it upscales. So I didn't want to go with performance mode uh, because I didn't want the 30 frames a second. The performance RT mode gives you the ray tracing and it gives you all that stuff at a variable variable resolution, but it's 60 frames a second. So it looks beautiful and it runs beautifully. And I love it. Yeah. Um, it's got so much detail in the city. Like New York is like, I think it's a bit smaller than the actual New York, but you know, you get a lot of space to play around. It's really still a lot of fun to swing between the buildings. Um, the, uh, Miles's quips are great because he's like learning how to be a cool superhero. So he's kind of fucking things up every so often that like you'll fit, you'll finish a combat encounter and you'll just say at the end of it. Oh man, I thought of a good quip. And, <laughs> and then he's mm, disappointed yeah, himself. For it does. Minutes. Yeah. The kind of cast of characters around them, they're all really well realized and um well um well executed. It's just really fucking good. Uh and I, I Solid, like isn't it? I like the uh what's it called? The venom powers, the electricity stuff that Miles has got. And yep. I th- I yep. think because you've got these extra little bits of the tool set, because you know, Peter Parker's powers are climbing up the walls and swinging, and then he's got his gadgets. Whereas with Miles's ones, he's got these extra powers so he can like use electric attacks, so he can go invisible. It gives you a whole new element to it. Like you don't have those shitty stealth sections that you had in the main game, which everybody hated. They were so shit. But the stealth <laughs> sections, Mary Jane ones. Yeah, but the stealth yeah. stealth sections you do get remind me of um the of the the combat rooms in the Arkham games. You know where you get to sit on the yeah, rafters, yeah, they do. you, you yeah, go invisible, they do. and like like. Any time I get spotted, I'm just going back to the last checkpoint because I want to do it without getting spotted. Mm. Because Miles is a stealth character, and it's so fun to pull it off and like work out the puzzle of how do you get these guys away from each other. And it's so good. I love. I I, I really enjoy it. So I'm about halfway through it. It's not a long one. Like the main, the original game's like a 20 hour game. I think this is a 10, 12 hour one. Um, But yeah, I'm just enjoying swinging through New York again. Like they've just really nailed that movement and that motion and it's just really satisfying to play so yeah. um, I, I picked it up when I first got PS5 I picked um, 
I picked it up and I got the Spider-Man, the original one, or the, the re- yeah, Spider the, version, that the, for free. I was like, woo, yeah. Yeah, you got the remastered version. Yeah, it was like 25 quid in a, in a bucket somewhere. I was like, yes, let's go. This, well, this I just got from the, from the game catalog thing because I upgraded my PS Plus to play straight. Yeah, it's on there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. and it's it's on there. So I've got that, and I've got Ghosts of uh, Tsushima to play. So once I'm done with oh, Spider Man, I'll do Ghost. I like Ghosts of Tsushima. A lot of people didn't like it in the end, but I like I like it a lot. I just want to just kind of wand, wander around the countryside. Oh, yeah. I never finished Spider-Man's it. Just, just come out on. Uh, yeah, it's just on come Steam out on PC. As well. Yeah, not the, not the Miles Morales version. Just just no. Spider-Man I'd love to see what it looks like on the Steam Deck, but I'm not going to pay fifty quid for a game I've. <laughs> maybe one day when it's like in a steam sale for it'll be, yeah give it a, give it a year it'll go into a steam sale for like super cheap stick it on your wish mm-hmm. list mm. uh but yeah that's the, that's that's kind of all i've been doing this week is just playing through miles morales and in fact probably you didn't watch the football as, then uh, actually no while the football was on i was editing alien rpg oh right i've heard of it which will which which will be out by the time you're listening to this so go excellent go, go watch that on the score cheap youtube channel Always plug in. Always plug in this guy. You've got to think about it, man. Gotta think pro, about it. pro, pro, pro. <laughs> excellent, excellent. I'll go next. Um, yeah, um, not much. Because something big happened this week in terms of um, media for me. But I did start watching um, Supernatural on the back of, uh, I think his name was Pointy Iguana in our Discord. He just put up a thing saying, oh, there's an episode with Scooby-Doo on. Oh, I like Scooby-Doo. And I was, <laughs> so I started watching... A show from like ten years ago, super. A lot longer than that. Mm. Oh, is, it's it? What, is it? Yeah, it's what, mate. They've all, they've all got flip time, phones. <laughs> they've all got little flip phones. So you, you, you got to see Soldier Boy in his in his original uh, incarnation. Oh, he's always been fit though, hasn't he? Wow, he's a, he's a bonny <laughs> lad. Him, <laughs> he's a bonny boy. But yeah, it's it's about um, two brothers, um, Soldier Boy and not Soldier Boy. I've, even though I've watched the first season, I still don't know the name. I think it's Sam, Sam and Dean. Dean. That's yeah. it, yeah. Got there. Sam and Dean. They are basically uh, Mulder and Scully, but if Mulder and Scully was stuck together and created one person, but they're both that as well. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's basically emo X-Files, isn't it? The whole thing is like emo X-Files. Uh, like do, a do, rock and roll twist. Do, 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 don't forget Sam's love for his car. He loves that, mate. That car's. It's, do you know what? I, I thought I really like that car until he starts turning it on and driving. It sounds fucked. It does. <laughs> it sounds. It sounds fucked constantly. But it's the truest it's like love you'll ever encounter, isn't it? Something like that, like a Dodge. I think they say Impala, Impaler. I don't know what it is. It looks like Blade's car, anyway. It's. It's fucking. It. It's. You know what? It's all right. It's proper like CW shit. You know what I mean? It's proper like <laughs> daft. And I've been, I've got through season one. However, I haven't watched like twenty one hours since like two days ago. I, I've used a, a handy cheat guide on the internet called episodesyoucanskip.com. <laughs> <laughs> it's basic. <laughs> I basically watched like nine episodes because a lot of them don't fucking matter. Not you know it does what the X Files does with uh, four episodes will be monster of the week, proper yeah. inconsequential shite, and then two episodes will be story like overarching plot. And yeah. I've just done that. I've just, and it's a nice overarching plot. It's about two guys wanting to like find the dad and find a demon. Oh, they yeah. said the word demon a lot in there. And it's 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 all right. It's a, it's a laugh. And I'm on season two now. I'm continuing to use um, episodes to skip dot com. It's. I mean, I mean, I'm, I'm going to be. It's, fr- it's like seventeen seasons. You're going to need that website. 
oh yeah, mate. There were one that were like, skip this on the website, skip this episode. It's shit. I'm like, perfect. That's all I need to know. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the kind of that's the kind of stuff I need. But yeah, uh, while I was watching that, I was There's playing a my main... coming as well. I'm so, I don't know if I'm going to get through all this, mate, first. <laughs> it's fun. It's fun. I like the vampires. I like I like the uh, the, the, the episode I liked the best so far was one with a, a Grim Reaper type old man in a suit, and it was spooky and cool, and I liked the play on the Reaper myth. Um, but, yeah, while I was watching this, obviously I can't just consume one media at a time, can I? No. I was playing the big, the big release of the week for me. Stig, you'll not be interested in this. Close your, close your ears for a bit. Xenoblade Chronicles Three dropped this week, and Ooh, yes. oh, yeah. this has been on pre. This has been on pre-order for me since uh, Father's Day. My wife saw me watching trailer a good few times, so she's like, "I'll get you that." I went, "She's not out for ages." She went, "Well, be patient," and it's paid off. Who knew that patience could pay <laughs> off? Because <laughs> it dropped that morning, like nine o'clock at that morning of release, and I've put it in, and I have done ten hours of it already. <laughs> Dropped on Friday. It it is... No, it's a 200 hour game, this one. It's doable <laughs> for you. Yeah, I'm getting there. Um, so, for people that don't know, it's made by Monolith Soft and uh, Nintendo. It's Xenoblade Chronicles 3, but it's like the seventh game in the franchise. The, Z- the Xenoblade or Xenogears or Xenosaga franchise. Uh, think of it like Final Fantasy. Not many of them are linked, but they are. the Xenoblade games are linked by an overarching plot but you really really don't need to play them all and trust me i really didn't like xenoblade 2 at all but i got through it i didn't really like it but xenoblade chronicles 3 takes place in the world of ionis ionis or fucking shite name where the mechanically proficient nation of keves and the ether oriented nation of agnes ether is um how do i put this um the live stream final fantasy 7 you understand that's what ether is Ether-oriented nation of Agnes are at a constant war with each other. The wars are fought by engineered soldiers with artificially limited lifespans of 10 years, all 10 of which are spent on fighting. And that's what drew me in straight away. The actual backstory and synopsis to this is fucking cool. So these people are created in a lab or in a machine. They're born at 10 years old, right? And from 10 years old, they've got 10 years to just constantly fight. That is their job, to fight the other side in a big, massive world. Um, if they die, the other team absorbs their life force to fuel their city and their, what they call a flame clock. These flame clocks fuel their city. It also keeps them alive. They've got flame clocks in their eyes. I know it sounds stupid, but it's just a metaphorical, metaphysical thing to show that if they don't kill, they die. And it's that constant butting heads like, We've got to do this. We're bred to do this. We won't, once they get to 20 years old, if they've done the full 10 years, they get to ascend. Now, very early on in the game, in like first hour, the main character realises that ascension is basically just getting killed as well. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's like, hmm. You know, like your silent green and things like that. Um, those old classic sci-fi tropes were, why, why are our lives getting cut short? What, what's happening? Who's, who's in the background? Who's behind the curtain doing this? Are they essentially doing a weeby version of Cats here? <laughs> are they going um... to the heavy side layer when they get to 20 years old? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can see the reference there. But this is straight up the character that you play is, he's what they call a, um, a seer or something along those lines where 
He's he plays a little flute. Remember Yuna in Final Fantasy X where she yeah. saw the dead away? He does that. And he's just getting sad and sad and sad and he's realised, you know what, I'm fucking done with this, this cycle. This this shitty cycle. And they end up he ends up getting his team, his because he was born with his friends, obviously they're all the same age. And they become outcasts and they're trying to free the other colonies and it's it's proper tropey, but it's it's proper mature, if you get me, because it's talking about like um, limited lifespans and stuff like that. And is war the answer? But it's the gameplay that really fucking nails it. Like I shown Gadget some of the uh, clips of the battle system. He remembers yeah, the other Xenoblades. They're slow, aren't they? The others, they're really slow. Yeah, the, the, the other ones are really like the other ones are really slow and really plodding. Like they, they tried to like iterate on that Final Fantasy twelve kind of like active yeah. time battle, but you're able to move around the arena thing. But yeah, uh, I remember specifically was with the first Endblade Chronicles with with Shulk and the Monado. Um, Monado, the 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 way you handled abilities kind of live in the fight sucked because you had just you had to remember yeah. what these little icons meant in terms of attacks. Nothing actually just said yeah. hit him with the big bastard sword. It was all kind of like swirly icons and stuff. It did me fucking head it. So and I was, what, I was what, playing you on 3DS as well, so it's a tiny screen to look oh, at these dude. little symbols on. <laughs> dude, you had to balance positioning as well, didn't you? Yeah. Which and then you had this this topple mechanic where big enemies you had to topple them over to really give them damage. Now the quality of life improvements on this are, are fucking massive. Like the topple and stuff still exists, but it's an automatic thing. The more damage you hit, the more likely they are to fall over. Oh, that's better. You know, like monster monster hunter where yeah. the more you hit them, they just get weakened. It's it's like that, and it's just super fast, super fluid. The graphics on this game, I don't know how they've done it. It's witchcraft. It's. It, if this were on PC, you'd be like, "Wow, oh, okay, yeah." It's I, I, if those of you who don't know that Monolith Soft—they're the guys that created the world or Breath of the Wild. Now imagine Breath of the Wild's world, but full of stuff, <laughs> not empty, <laughs> <laughs> and and beautiful and vast. And like the other the other um, games were like they were like positioned where the world where you're on top of big giants. So the the worlds are ever moving. This hasn't alluded to any of that. This just looks like you are in a world, a normal world with rock. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it's kind of giving it this grand adventure. This almost we're off to Mordor vibe, which I fucking love. Where it's like we've no fast way of getting there. We've just got to walk, guys. We've just got to get there, and we will get there and have adventures along the way. There's like a lot of mini adventures in the way, and it does what I wanted them to do for so long. It just cuts out all shit side quests. Oh, thank Christ! It. Gone. Gone. No stupid fetch quests. There are very odd, and I mean sparse, things where they'll say, oh, can you gather these while you're on the way? While you're on the way. Not go out your way to do all this. And it's, it's just, there's just something about it. it like, it's not going to make someone like Stig play it, because it's just not interested in it. But for someone that's bounced off that series, this is fucking perfect. I, I, it, again, I don't know how it, how it runs like this on, on a Switch. It's don't get me wrong. I had it on Andel today. Getting warm that console. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it was getting warm. But yeah, it's just like the draw distance is fantastic. They've cut corners, so like certain bits when you when you walk in and you see the blades of grass, they might pop in. They might pop in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. A little bit of popping. Elden Ring does that. But yeah, I think it's the best looking game on Switch, and there's no stupid big. Fourteen-year-olds with big tits in it. Do you know what I mean? It's they've just 
They've just slimmed it all back, took it all back, and gone. What did people like? Like even the like on Final Fantasy, you have um, you have uh, what do they call them? Moogles, their mascot. Yeah. In this, they have uh, Nopons, and they were horrible. So annoying, such annoying creatures that never shut up, and they talked with a funny, annoying like type type thing. Yeah, they're they're cute, but in this, they've made them like. I'm a nop on motherfucker. <laughs> they're cool. They're cool. It's proper badass. Uh, but yeah, I, I I think it's fucking sensational. It's it's probably the swan song for me for Switch because I can't imagine something as big as this tickling my taste buds for this console now. I've, I think we're done. It'll be like Switch 2 or whatever the, uh, the next one will be for the next big thing. But oh, God, I'm going to have to get this on. It's lovely. You are gonna, you're gonna love it, gadget, because it's a sci-fi story rather than a fantasy story. I do like a bit I mean, of sci fantasy. Like I, I did quite like the story in the original Xenoblade Chronicles. Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't, but I didn't finish it. And you obviously told me what the big twist is at the end of it, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, but you know, yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I like, I like the, I like it. It's one thing I do like with a lot of JRPGs where they are science fantasy. You know, there's a bit of technology <laughs> in there, but there's always powered by magic or something like that. I quite like that stuff. Yeah. I did forget to mention as well in this. Do you know why you have your special limit breaks and stuff like that? Aye. In this, you turn into you turn into uh, mechs. So. Right. Okay, I'm going to order it now. Where <laughs> can I get it from? You're into, Fifty quid. You turn into Gundam. So. <laughs> and it's not complicated. It's not hard to do. The, the, the everything about it. The UI is fantastic. It's fucking lovely. It's fucking lovely. Get it, Candy. What you been doing? I've been watching a true. Crime drama on Apple TV called Blackbird this week. Um, it's a oh. six-part series, um, five of which of the episodes are out. This final one's out this Friday. Normally, I wouldn't uh, review something or talk about it until I've seen the whole thing. But I think unless it seriously shits the bed on this last episode, the series so far has been absolutely spectacular, the last um, episode in particular. Um, so it yeah, starts- but imagine, imagine saying that. While watching the last season of Game of Thrones, I knew that was going to come up. <laughs> but I mean, it's it's six. I, I don't think it's going to happen because it got the same writers. We're fine, I reckon. Um, mm-hmm. so, seasons it, two to seven. I'm, wow. Do you know what? I'm not actually sure yeah. if there's going to be if this is just one season and it's going to continue after, or I think it's just a limited series. So I think it's just going to be the one. Um, but anyway, it stars Taron Egerton playing James Keane, Ray Liotta in what I think is his final role. Um, I think he's Greg got a film Kinya. to come out. I think he's got one more film to come out as Ray Liotta. Yeah, I, th- I don't know Re- whether... Reading about it. Yeah, I don't know if that was filmed first and mm-hmm. this possibly yeah. was filmed afterwards and sort of came out before. Um, yeah. <clears throat> but it follows the true life events of um, Jimmy Keane, who's an ex-college football star, and he's the son of a uh, long-service serving police officer, Big Jim Keane, um, played by Ray Liotta. Um, and his house gets raided by. But this is all in the synopsis. I'm not spoiling anything. His house gets mm-hmm. raided by police. He's a, he's arrested per, for possession of a huge amount of uh, cocaine, which he's dealing, and illegal firearms, and so I on. Bet the, it's small. Nothing small. <laughs> <laughs> um, but on the advice of his father, um, who's kind of asked around his cop mates and, and legal advice friends, and the general feeling is that if he pleads guilty. He'll get a reduced sentence, a sentence of maybe five years, of which he'll probably serve four. Um, And unfortunately, this plea bargain doesn't actually deliver. And they're making they're wanting to make an example of him. Basically, star footballer, uh, policeman's son, 
Um, he ends up facing a sentence of 10 years in prison with no parole whatsoever. Ooh, um, bastards. Bastards. So the, the few, a few months into his sentence, he's approached by an FBI agent who offers him a deal. Um, and they want to move him. you watch The Grey Man? <laughs> this is real. to The Grey Man. <laughs> this actually happened. The Grey Man happened. <laughs> no. Unfortunately, no. it happened. If it happened in real life, it'd be the biggest tragedy the world's ever seen. Everyone's dead. Fucking film's a tragedy, mate. (laughs) Carry on. (laughs) Back to me. Um, So they they offer him a deal, um, and they want to move him to this maximum security um, prison that's kind of inhabited with a lot of um, very disturbed inmates. A lot of them, you know, actually mentally disturbed and everything. Oh Um, wow. With the intention um, for him to befriend and ultimately elicit a confession from a suspected serial killer, Larry Hall. Who... Is that uh, uh, Jesse Clements? No, I don't think so. I, I can't remember his name. I've written it down. Um, I, I think I've seen the trailer of it, and he's a, he's a weird guy, isn't he? Really weird looking, and he looks a lot like, well, obviously, they made him look exactly like how. The big yeah. guy, yeah. He's from Jesse Clements. Cobra, I've just that's the guy. That's the guy. Yeah, that is him. Yeah, it's the guy that falls over a lot. It's a really old guy, and Cobra yeah. Kite wants to be part yeah. of the. Yeah. Who says I'm not a nonce? I'm not a nonce. <laughs> him, him. So to basically <laughs> to to cut his sentence short, um, not only does he need to confess to this um, murder, but he needs to give them a location of the body as well. They haven't found the body. Um, he's actually currently in prison. He's awaiting a retrial of his case. Um, it's clear he has cognitive deficiencies and yeah. um, the, the defence is going to sort of put to the judge that he was actually coerced into making this confession because the mm-hmm. um, the officer that um, interviewed him was quite kind of, they really did push him. He was quite harsh because he really thought that he did it. Um, what a fall guy as well. Potentially, yeah, but the local Cover police. Cover the box. Yeah, I mean, the local police just knew him as a kind of local character kind of thing and that he had yeah. a a history of confessing to things that he didn't do. Mm-hmm. And yet all evidence is pointing to the fact that he actually did do this. Um, wow. But, but there's no guessing game to us as the audience. It's, it's very, it's made very clear to us that he did in fact commit all these, these crimes. Um, yeah. But he, yet to the local police, he just came off as a sort of oddball, you know, harmless, you know, you know, the type. Um, and there's, there's a lot of true crime dramas that have come out in the last several years. and. I can understand a lot of people might be a bit sort of burnt out with them, and it's not really a genre that I usually seek out to watch either. Uh, but Taryn Edgerton and Ray Liotta, they piqued my interest enough to give it a go. Um, and by the end of episode one, I was just fully invested. Um, this role is so far removed from Rocket Man, it's just, it, you can imagine a more different role for Taryn Edgerton. Um, He's not playing I, Elton John in this. Not this time, no, surprisingly <laughs> to all. Maybe it would be fun if he did. Oh, it was incredible. I enjoyed that film so much, so much more than I was Mm. expecting. But it just shows what a good actor it is because in this he finds kind of the perfect balance of this kind of charismatic, ego-driven charmer, which is why the the FBI agent comes to him in the first place. You know, they want him to win him rounds as a friend kind of thing. Um, And also, you know, he, he shows the vulnerability of someone who has to listen to all these heinous acts of a monster yet he still has to keep his composure to enough to lead him to believe that they're friends 
and they he has to keep listening to all these stories and yet he's still not said what he's done to this final person or where it is um okay. but taron edgerton in this is fucking huge like I, d- I don't know what james Keane looks like in real life but obviously he was a football star so he probably had some kind of real physical presence Probably. Taron Edgerton is just massive. I couldn't believe. Like he's he's lost all this kind of boyishness from previous roles as well. He looks like a a proper man now. Um, oh, does he now? Proper man, but oh god, <laughs> proper hot. But um, <laughs> that's not the Keep reason I continue to watch it. I will say, <laughs> I'm not that shallow. Um, it's it's Paul Water, uh, Paul Water Hauser who plays Larry. Um, he's mm. got a good range too. He's kind of um, just supposing a vulnerable. Lovable, lovable fall against. He, there's an actual sort of physical change in his performance while he's recalling these crimes and abuse he's committed. Um, like his eyes become really focused and intense, and he kind of displays a kind of subtle sexual, without seeing anything specific, he does display like a sexual arousal. And then he'll just suddenly snap back to his um, previous composure. And it's as if he didn't God. say it at all. Even to himself, it's as if he didn't say anything. Um, and finally, as well, there's this moving portrayal of a really sad, concerned and ill father. Like Ray Liotta plays a man who's recently had a stroke, um, potentially brought about by everything that's happening to his son. Um, and he actually was poorly on set whilst they were filming this. I, I don't yeah. know if he knew that it was going to be his final role, but he's absolutely mm. acting his heart out. He's, it's, he's, he's playing a, a character unlike anything I've really seen him tackle before. Um, and there's an emotional depth to it that really shone through, and it's it's a really worthy final performance. If that is, is you know, Ray Liotta was is. always good at um, emotion. It was always like fantastic at it. Yeah, and yeah, like I said, that really shines through, and it's um, quite heartbreaking to watch as well. Really, sort of knowing posthumously um, that it is kind of his final performance. But yeah, really recommend it. Like I said, unless the final episode shits the bed, and I'm hoping it won't. Really, really good watch. And that's Apple TV as well. So Apple TV are just absolutely on fire at the moment. If it's you haven't got quality Apple over TV, quantity, isn't it? Yeah. And there's, there's so many offers out there. For, I, I don't work for Apple, by the way, but there's so many offers out there at the moment. I think even if you were a PlayStation um, Plus subscriber, they were doing six months until recently. Yeah, you'll be able to find got, an offer I got somewhere. a year with my PlayStation. Was coming to, that was coming to an end, so be wary of that one. Yeah, it might have already... It might have already ended. You'll find you'll find an offer anyway. If you can find an offer, or even if you can't, it's five quid a month. So you or know, if just... you know someone that works in the Apple Store, they can get it for free. Trust. He's Mr. Apple. He'll sort you out. <laughs> Sponsor us, Apple. Candy's doing yeah, uh, bigging you up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throw us some free That's quality right. bastards. <laughs> we'll go to Apple reviews. Yeah, and review this podcast for a chance to. No, I'm not. I'm not lying. You, you can't get free Apple TV for reviewing us, but. We might give it to you if you review us five stars. Is that everything, Gandhi? Is that your That's just me week? today. Fantastic, fantastic. Stig, are you with us? Yes. Excellent. A <laughs> uh, couple of things this week. Uh, first one is Jurassic World Dominion. You loved it, didn't you? Strap oh. on in, folks. <laughs> oh, Strap on one. in. It, I knew we were going to get this, so it's, it's definitely going on the pod out this. <laughs> um, no, I'd, I'd prefer my other one to go pod out, to be honest. They're both are. <laughs> um, it's shit. 
It really is. What? It's just Don't bury the lead. It's just <laughs> like Fallen Kingdom 2.0. It's stupid people doing stupid things again. <laughs> It's a bunch of random set pieces combined with an awful plot that just makes no sense. The nostalgia bit of bringing in back the original three doesn't hit at all. Like at no point, it, you just like, oh yeah, the back. You kind of like, oh okay, whatever. Did uh, life ultimately find the way? Uh, it, technically, yeah, it does actually in this because dinosaurs mm, roam the world it did, and didn't it? they um, start to take over. Well, somehow they manage to travel across the sea. That's the bit that. Right at the beginning, it's like, oh, they, they we know spread across. Do the swim, swim on the back of other dinosaurs. <laughs> they spread across the world. I'm like, how have all these landlocked animals spread across yeah. the world? And on an island in the middle of Pacific Ocean, <laughs> it just does. It just does my head in. Like, because Kate was like, oh, maybe like poachers and people have taken them and released them. I was like, well, but why don't we have how bear- many? Why don't we have bears in this country then, or, or wolves? You know what I mean? Like, what yeah. they don't they don't travel from the Americas and Canada and that, do they? Like, we don't have them here. Why would dinosaurs? So that was the first stupid thing that really annoyed me. And it just got more and more stupid. Uh, Chris Pratt constantly tries to control dinosaurs with his outstretched arms like it's some kind of superpower. He does it about five times in this to different dinosaurs, not just the raptors that he's trained, to huge like Allosaurus-style dinosaurs. He's doing this. I'm like, mate, that's not going to stop them. They're going to eat you. But... (laughs) He's, well, he's reason, his reasoning for this is there's going to be a mild spoiler here. Is he says it's just a human animal bond based on mutual respect. That's what, how he what? trained the rap. That's how he trained the raptors. So he's a dinosaur whisperer. Yeah, basically, <laughs> it's fucked up. That's so fucking stupid. It's so that can't stupid. possibly be true as well. Like I have trained my cat, and there is absolutely no mutual respect from him. Yeah, but <laughs> you cats are more deadly than dinosaurs. <laughs> you have not trained that cat. Your I cat tried. abuses you on the daily. <laughs> look, 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 look! Cats are more dangerous than dinosaurs. That is you, known. That is a. Do known you remember thing. how much I hated what they did to the raptors in the last yeah. film? How they made the raptor almost human, able to read and, and convey human emotion and understand. Open doors, humans mate! And, they're opening doors. It first one. Yeah, but like, you have mentioned they, it. They were scary in the first one. Yeah, they were. They're intimidating please, predators. Clever girls. Please make raptors. If you're going to do more, more Jurassic World films, please make them scary again. Stop trying to make them relatable. Stop showing that they understand human speech. We don't need to see a mother-son hunting trip with raptors to try and make us like sympathise with the raptors. I'd rather them just stop doing Jurassic Park stop, films. Please stop. <laughs> Personally. And they just, at no point, do you worry about the heroes in this film? Remember in the first film, like anyone could get killed. Samuel yeah. Jackson gets killed. The, the other guy gets killed. Like heroes die. Jurassic World even did that. The first well, one, did babysitter die. Like anyone can die. That's the whole point. At no point, even in the big set piece with a huge new dinosaur, the bigger and better dinosaur, but apparently this one's real, which is good. At least it's not a made up one. You just don't fear for the heroes mm. at all. You know they're going to get out of this because they're too chicken shit to to put them in real threat. Uh, and just it's just shit. I just hate it. Honestly, you liked it then. Yeah. And not only that, like, I think the puppetry and the CGI is pretty shonky as well. It says something when like a film from nearly thirty years ago looks better in places. I did. I, I did. I did see it was about two months ago. I think they they released like the first seven minutes or so like on Twitter for like people to watch 
And I remember seeing the kind of the opening kind of crawl and like the camera going over the top of the landscape with um, the dinosaurs underneath. And it looked like something off a PS2. Like it looked really shitty. Did you see um, Spielberg's comment comment on it when it it first came out? And and so what do you think to it? And he's like, I'm sure they had a lovely time in production. (laughs) That's all he said. (laughs) He has fucking washed his hands with that series. He has washed his hands with that that series. I'm sure they enjoyed production on holiday. It it needs someone like him to to bring it back to the fucking... To make it... Just call it Jurassic Park. Um, Requiem. Requiem, yeah. <laughs> but the the biggest thing that like it literally made me laugh out loud and shout fuck off at my TV because this is a, a spoiler, folks. In this film, I don't think po- we need a warning. I'm not putting the clocks up. Poachers take Blue's son, daughter, whatever Blue's baby. The you know the the, the raptor that Chris Pat has a. It's got a name. Yeah, it's, yeah, got, it's blue. got blue because it's got blue. It's got blue back, so it's blue. You're my boy, anyway, blue. So he's like, says to Blue, Blue's like going mental when he gets sick. He's like, I promise you, I'll get him back. I'll get him back. And then Blue runs off. It's like, okay. But right at the end, he gives the dinosaur back and he looks at Blue and Blue looks at him and he gives, Blue a, little, he gives Blue a little nod and then Blue looks back at him and then runs off. Like there's some kind of connection there. Like, wouldn't it have been good if Blue went up to him and went, give him a little lick up his face? It's it's we're almost we're almost at that point. Like, I fully expect you know this raptor to I'm increasingly, bow and then run I'm off. Increasingly hating Chris Pratt as the years go on. It's <laughs> just it's so boring now. It's just turned into generic guy. Yeah, that that that, lump, that, that lump particular particular setup. It, it, we're we're I in control of this runaway budget massive monster movie kind of thing. She should be. I, I, I would have that, that moment where Chris Pratt's there, he, he gives Blue the nod, and then Blue eats him. I think that would be the <laughs> funniest way <laughs> to end the series. Just like, they cut to black. Just really yeah, fuck yeah. over the audience Just, for the last three like, films. Chris Pratt ruled up. He will not return. I don't know why I watched this. It's, it's a I don't weird, know why you watched it. A weird completionist in me that, for some reason, I have to watch the end of the series. I know, Kurt, bef- Kurt, before you message me, and write in. <laughs> Doesn't mean that I'm going to watch Die Hard Five. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're going to make you do that at some point. Yeah, I we are. Just, it depends I, if we get patrons to uh, subscribe. Yeah, and if awesome. we get if we're we get awesome. over to hundred pounds on Patreon, I will watch Die Hard Five with commentary. There you go. <sighs> on his own, he'll just comment on his own on the whole thing. On his a own. lot of swearing. <laughs> I just, it was just. Oh, I just can't. Stop doing it to yourself. Have you got anything else to add? Yes. Been good. Brian and Charles fucking loved it. Wonderful film. Yes. Yes. So yes, this yes. is a film directed by Jim Archer. It stars David Earl. And it's about Brian, who is a bit of a loner. Well, he's not a bit. He's a loner who lives alone in a Welsh valley. He's a, um introverted oddball. This is and, uh, Ricky Gervais's mate, isn't it? Uh, yeah, he's in stuff like um, Derek and yeah. things yeah. like that. Yeah. Afterlife. Afterlife. Yeah. Um, so he kind of passes his time after, um, he, he kind of, he's in a bit of depression and he passes his time by making inventions, uh, weird mm. inventions that make no sense and don't work, but he just enjoys doing them. So you meet him at the start, it's in a kind of mockumentary style. So he's kind of talking to the camera and he's just saying, no, oh, I'll do this. I, you know, I collect rubbish, you know, if someone he sees like someone's fly tipped and he goes through all that trying to find stuff. Has he still got that usual David Hill look? 
Yeah, yeah, it's exactly the same, yeah. Oh, With God, the glasses God. and the greasy hair yeah. and, and the beard, yeah. <laughs> yeah. love him. And he's like, you know, you pick up a space hopper and he's like, oh, I could do something with this, like that kind of thing. And <laughs> you see him at the beginning, it's in the trailer, this bit, he's tried, he thinks, oh, I've made a, a flying cuckoo clock so I can fly above the village and everyone can see what time it is. And this thing's <laughs> made out of half a bike, a trolley, a grandfather clock, a massive turbo fan on the back. And he's like, I'm just going to fly over there. And at the next scene, you see he's just on fire and he's just running like around. <laughs> yeah, good. And yeah, he's a really lovable, like kind of nice character, you know, won't say boo to a goose at all. And one day, he's, you can tell he's lonely. He just decides he's going to make a robot. Mm. Uh, so he makes Charles out of an old um, washing machine, a mannequin mm. head, and all kinds of things. And lo and behold, Charles doesn't come to life because. Why would it? Why would it? Until we have a bit of an electrical storm. Ooh. All of a sudden, oh, Frankenstein. Charles, it's very Frankenstein. Very Frankenstein. Charles mm. comes to life, and Charles, Charles Petrescu, actually, that's his full name. That's, that's the name the <laughs> robot wants to be called. My name is Charles Petrescu. Uh, that's cool. He comes to life, and he has his own personality, and he's fucking amazing. Uh, he has this dog-like like puppy-like wonder and excitement. So when uh, Brian goes out to town and comes back, Charles is like, Brian is home, Brian is home, Brian is home. And if he had a tail, he'd be wagging it. Oh, but he's cool. also, um, he's watching things about the real world. And he's like, I want to go there. I want to experience this. I want to do that. He, he want, he, there's a, a wonder about him, about the world and outside the village. And obviously Brian is, doesn't want to give him up and doesn't want people to know he exists because he thinks that if he, people are, yeah, they're steal him. they'll steal him uh, because there is a, a family down the road scrap merchants who uh, bully the whole village and steal and uh, yeah. do you know what it does seem like a plot to a Wallace and Gromit film um, yeah it could be to be honest <laughs> yeah. I'll be honest it's 90 minutes long oh, it doesn't God. really go anywhere it's just a really wholesome lovely film where David mm. Earl's character Brian has this amazing uh, relationship with this robot, teaching him and showing him things, and they dance and they cook, and he and Charles has a weird obsession with cabbages, and at times he turns into a stroppy teenager when he doesn't get his way, and mm-hmm. it's it's lovely. I absolutely adored this film. Um, I, I think def- the rest of the internet did because there was a little mini fake Twitter campaign to get David Iltabit next James Bond. (laughs) (laughs) He's sensational this game to be next James Bond. I'm like, wow. Honestly, you should watch this film if you can. It's just, and and it's perfectly suitable for children to watch for children as well. So if you've got, Oh, so he's not telling about how many, how many titwanks he's had like he does on Afterlife. (laughs) No, he's just a nice bloke. Um, He's, he's just kind of life has not, being kind to him. Oh. But yeah, I just it's really good. It's just really wholesome. Um I would watch it again in an instant. And 90 minutes Excellent. long. Can't go wrong. Honestly, it's fucking love it. You love to see it. The shots Brilliant. on YouTube that you could watch to try and get a feel of how it is, but if you just watch the trailer, it's You've got it. <laughs> yeah, there's a moment in the trailer that's in the film where it he, he comes out dressed in these curtains. So why are you dressed like that? He's like, I think I look pretty cool. 
and it just like it just <laughs> made me howl because like the way the, the the guy who does the voice for Charles, the delivery is just perfect. It's so good. So oh, yeah, thrilled. I'm gonna I'm gonna check that out this week. Yeah, definitely watch it. It's so good. Good man, good man. Biggie rounders off. There's a couple of things I've uh, been up to this week. I went and saw Elvis. A rare Biggie week. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Elvis is amazing. I really enjoyed that, actually. So Far more good. than I thought I would. Mm. And uh, is it Austin Butler? Is that right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Who, who played Elvis is fantastic. Considering He's going to get an Oscar nod. He's going to get a nod regardless. He, he, he deserves it because at first I didn't, couldn't see the Elvis straight away. I just didn't see him. I kept just picturing how Elvis normally is. He looks is. nothing like him. And That's then, the problem. But he, at times he does. It's just incredible how he pulls that off. It's sensational. Um, just yeah, really impressed. I think I think for what I've seen of it, I've not seen the whole thing, but he's he's an over the top impersonation of Elvis with his movements. He's a mm. bit too dramatic. But it's Baz Luhrmann. He's probably come on a bit more, bit mm. more, bit um, more. That's probably if what you he's watch. Done. If you watch the side by sides, that's what I have watched. But Elvis doesn't swing as much as he was swinging. Yeah, but you kind of you can't get it perfect. But if you watch that side by side of that so good, uh, comeback it? special, there's not a lot yeah. of difference in that. And he sings, doesn't yeah. he? He actually sings. Yes, some it's so it's sung. The early stuff with Elvis is sung, and then they yeah. just kind of mixed Elvis a little bit on yeah. top. I was yeah. listening to an interview with Baz Luhrmann, and he said that they actually stuck part real Elvis in this film. Yeah. I, I never picked up on it once. He could tell. And no one seems to be able to, no one seems to be picking up on it. But he snuck little clips awesome. of real Elvis in those performances. Oh, that's Just, awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic. Really. He, he deserves an Oscar if he gets it. Proud out. Yeah. But speaking of uh, another pop star or stars, um, Bizarrely ended up watching the Bross documentary after the screaming stops. Has anyone Mate. seen this? No. It's one of my favourite documentaries ever. I fucking adore it. That guy, it's, so... uh, it's not Luke Goss, it's his brother, isn't it? What's his name? Um, Matt. Matt. He has got the worst anecdotes of any man in existence. <laughs> it's like, at any it day, is... Rome wasn't built, it's built a... in a day, it was built in a week. He says shit like that. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he just says, but we don't have the time that Rome did. It's just yeah. incredible. <laughs> <laughs> He's so stupid. It's... It's filmed as a documentary, but it comes across like a mockumentary. That's just how weird it is. <laughs> it feels like Spinal and Tap, it is, doesn't it? it oh, <laughs> without a doubt. If you like Spinal Tap, you will love this. But this the is real. Because I, I was a fan of Bros when I was a, a youngster. I had their album and all that kind of stuff. When will Biggie the film be focuses famous? Literally, on the, there's just the two of them. So the third member, Craig, he's not in this at all. He's not even mentioned. He although he appears out, in all the footage. Um, well. Yes and no, they split and went their ways, but apparently they asked him, the BBC, a co-part of this documentary, because um, it's following them, the two brothers, preparing for a comeback tour, um, particularly a big gig at the O2. Yeah. And he just said, you know, I'm not interested, but, you know, you got my blessing, sort of go ahead and do it, sort of, thing, without him. And yeah, he's just not mentioned at all, apart from in the film footage. But yeah, the, the, the it's poignant at times, it's some really sad stuff that they talk about and cover it, and it's really heartfelt when you watch it but yeah those anecdotes are just <laughs> I mean, they're the unquotable because it's stupid <laughs> so I'll just read out a few of them so this is oh, here a we lot go. this comes from Matt so Luke is the more sort of troubled of the two twins so in, in a nutshell they're basically Ross were like one of the biggest bands they were like take that sort of height then they split up they announced the, they were splitting Luke Goss became an actor didn't he 
Yeah, Luke Goss became the actor, and then Matt went on to appear in Vegas, which is that link with Elvis, bizarrely. He did mm. a lot of shows over in Vegas. But Matt is the one that generally drops these anecdotes. And <laughs> it's fucking it's, sensational. Here's a few of them. So he talks about um, what home means to him. He says, he says the letters H-O-M-E are so important because they personify, personify the word home. <laughs> the rules in his home are, I have a rule in my house. You break it, you fix it. You can break anything you want. <laughs> he goes to talk wow. about, um, they have a little trip around their house and you see a bit of footage. His house is massive, isn't like it? That. And then he goes on this weird rant about, please, can we start a petition as Bross for this ridiculous thing where you can't play conkers? You have to wear goggles. This is the biggest problem. You can't play conkers <laughs> in England. And he turns around to his brother and his brother just looks and goes, I can live with that. <laughs> yeah, it was. He genuinely wanted to do a GoFundMe on not GoFundMe, a, a, a whatever change.org on Conkers. That's <laughs> music and life inspiration. I made a conscious decision because of Stevie Wonder not to be superstitious. <laughs> <laughs> Man's a genius. Yeah. Amazing. Oh, it, it's just there's so many of those little things just thrown in. It, it's just fantastic. The outro song that. But he yeah, said, he just, said on he, he said on because uh, after when that documentary came out, he was he was on uh, uh, Good Morning Television or whatever, GMTV or whatever it's called, and he said something like, "Yeah, people have called me the Confucius of the pop world." I'm like, "No, they haven't. No one's called <laughs> him. Not one person." He's the proto Jaden Smith. Oh no, he's worse. <laughs> but there's a, there's an innocence to him, isn't there, Biggie? He's just, a, no, he's totally, just a, an totally. old man that doesn't accept that he's an old man. He's, he, there's, there's a sadness to both of them, and you, you kind of do love it them. Is the, because you assume that being twins, they're close and everything. Obviously, they were, but actually, they they separated. And there's this build up to the you know they have little um, the words come up on the screen like twenty days before the gig, seven days yeah. before the gig. During all these snippets of footage, Scrapping. they're just trembling, they're fighting, arguing, and you feel so sorry for the bands that are being brought together to play all the uh, background instruments, you know, and they're just looking at each other like, oh my God, is this <laughs> What the fuck are these? <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's amazing. It's just such a, you can't help but watch it sort of uh, documentary. Is that, and, is that, yeah, that, just, that thing he said, he, he, he said it on a, a different interview as well, he's like, the way people describe, but the, there's the Gallagher brothers, there's Simon and Garfunkel, and there's Bross. No one's put them <laughs> together. No one's ever done it. It's so fuck. I love him. I love them both. I think they're but fantastic. Yeah, it's on Netflix. It is. It is ripping in its own weird way, and I, it oh, just it has this really good. the office kind of feel to it. It's so weird, but yeah, that's really, it. He's like really David was... Brent, isn't he? He is a bit like yeah. It's really recommend fantastic. A lot of fun. But yeah, just very quickly, the other thing I just wanted to cover is um, I've actually got a game review, a very quick one. Um, no way. It's called Before We Leave. Battlefield. I did get a code. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're tired of all the blood, death, gore, and violence found in gaming today, well, fuck no, me neither, because I love that shit. But full disclosure, <laughs> um, I got a code for this, and to be honest, this game really isn't for me. But I did want to cover it anyway. So it's a city building game, um, and it's developed by Balancing Monkey Games, and it was released by Team 17. So basically, the idea is that you rediscover what was lost and nurture your reborn civilization set in a cozy corner of the universe. So they come out of their little vault in the ground. The world has been destroyed by a massive, you know, apocalypse, and they've got to rebuild, basically. And you grow, gather, manage resources to help your settlements, and they're cutely called peeps. Yep. And they look like little wooden 
uh, figures that are running around the map and they do their usual thing when they build, soar, and all this kind of thing. You just basically, it's like a resource management game, but there's no enemy. You're not under threat. It's like this chilled, relaxing. Can you get these guys to build their settlements and then finally get to a point where you have like the skill tree that you have to fill up where you learn how to new knowledge about how to build, how to repair, how to mine, and eventually you're going to build space rockets that take you to the next planet, and then you do the same thing again. It's basically along those lines. Um, but yeah, you, you can relax and expand um, at your own pace. Not everything will go your way, so you've got to use your wits about researching the solutions. Your peeps have spent several generations underground. They've missed the caress of the sun on the skin, and they squelch the soil between their toes. And once they start rebuilding their civilization, you've got to provide shelter, discover an ancient technology, and expand um, the reborn society to other continents and planets. So the features in that game are building settlements, discover and research the ancient technologies, manage those resources, trade your settlements by seed and space, explore six unique biomes of islands of all shapes and sizes, and protect the peeps from the ancient beings that guard the galaxy. Uh, the UI is quite simple. The text is a little bit small at times. So for where I was sitting, it's a bit hard to sometimes read all the really small detail. Um, graphically, it's perfectly functional with really nice pastel colors. Um, animation shows exactly what you need to see on the screen. Uh, your little peeps are whizzing around. You can speed the time up as well. Um, so it's really just about taking your own time, but speed it up if you want to, to get things going. Um, when they're chopping the wood, farming and building, um, you get this really interesting white noise in the background, and it almost sounds like they've recorded it in a cafe. So you have this little murmur of people chatting and doing stuff. And it's really kind of unusual for a game like this, but I quite liked it. I thought it was really effective. And then when they're obviously doing stuff like sawing, metal clanking, demolition stuff going on, um, those sounds come in as yeah. well. But it's just your usual resource management type of game. But sadly, it's not for me, but it's reviewing really well. It's got like 72% on Metacritic. Now, um, disclaimer, available PCs. Also... Oh, and uh, consoles. Pieces of consoles. Yeah, I also got a code for this as well, and I like it. I quite like it. It's just it came out at the wrong time because Xenoblade is here. <laughs> well, it came out in May, and I actually played it back then. But it crashed on me uh, in, after about an hour. So I left it. They've yeah, updated I, it. I, I only got a code for it recently, on. so I wonder if they're doing another push, another push to get it out there. But, yeah, I, I like it. It's cute. It's not too yeah, difficult. It is. It's not too complicated. Yeah, it's just one of those, like I say, it's just not my type of game. I'm not quite sure why I got the code for it, to be honest. But it's because there's no um, RPGs and sniper rifles in it. That's why you like it. <laughs> exactly. No Hellgast. Exactly. <laughs> but I think if you're into it's almost got a, a non-threatening Frostpunk vibe to it. It hasn't got that grim. Yes, that's perfect. Yeah. Nasty side to it. It's just, you know, look after these people. And there's no them on their journey. death choices. Do you kill these no. orphans or these orphans? <laughs> yeah, if you run out of sort resources, you're building holes. So it's... Yeah, as simple yeah. as that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, check it out. I think it's cool. Excellent, 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 excellent. Right then, so this um, main topic is going to be run by Gadget this month because he is the music man. He comes from down your way. So, Gadget, take it away. Uh, yeah, so apparent, apparently, despite the fact that Oodles was a touring musician. Apparently, I'm the music man. So, um... <laughs> I just wanted to get you involved. <laughs> involved, I edit it, man. Uh, anyway, yeah, no, I, yeah, so I'm going to lead this off. So this week we're talking about musical idols. Uh, Biggie, have you got the subject right this week? 
we did have it last week. Excuse me. It was just an interesting take on it. And I did cover a hot film. The, feed, the, the feedback it's on your take, again. mate, was insane. Yeah, it's J-Lo, isn't it, this week? Yeah. Got it. Again. <laughs> um, Nimrod, agreed with, Nimrod agreed with me. Thank you. Yeah, about the film. I did. Yeah, about anyway, the film. Nimrod. That's what I was talking film. about. The film. It just yeah, also contained sure. J-Lo. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nothing to do with that orange dress at all. And anyway. outside. So, shut up. <laughs> so yes, I, I'm going to leave. I'm going to start this one off because um, I want to talk about Little a guy boss. whose music I actually don't currently like, but um, I, his music was a massive influence on me when I was learning to play the guitar. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to talk about a fellow by the, who was born Jeffrey Philip Wyland. But everyone will know him more commonly as Zach Wild. Uh, he, yeah, he is one of the. You you, you would typify him as a guitar legend. Uh, most people will probably yeah, know definitely. him from his work with Ozzy Osbourne in the late eighties through the nineties, uh, and two of Ozzy's worst albums in the two thousands. Um, <laughs> yes, because <laughs> Black Rain was really really bad. <sighs> wow. Yeah. Um, but I knew him best for Black Label Society, which is his band, his own band. Yeah. Who are Black Sabbath. Uh, <laughs> the, man, the man wears his influences on his sleeves. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he's definitely Black Sabbath of America. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, uh, so Zach, Zach Wilde, he, um, he's been... Play, he's been playing in bands since kind of like the, the, the mid-80s. He joined Ozzy Osbourne's band... Um, as a fresh face, I think he was only eighteen when he when he joined Ozzy's band. It wasn't that long after Randy Rhodes, was it? Uh, it was three guitarists later, which in Aussie terms is about a week and a half. Uh, yeah, no, he, I'm he, saying he, it wasn't that long. He, he, he joined uh, for No Rest for the Wicked in 1988. Oh, there you go. Then and yeah. Randy Rhodes died. I want to say 85, 85, something like that, mid 80s. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So he joined for No Rest for the Wicked, which was a so-so album, but you know. Got him big back then. You know, he 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 hadn't got the biker image that he had now. He, you know, it was it was all no. the the kind of the sequins and the eighties hair kind of thing that Ozzy was rocking at the time. I don't know how anyone thought he was the devil man because he looked like a prat. <laughs> what bl- blonde Ozzy Osbourne? Yeah, blonde Ozzy Osbourne <laughs> in the eighties when it was the cocaine years. Um, but the, the, loved it. The the album that released the 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 second studio album that he did with Ozzy. Um, is the one that kind of solidified Zach Wilde as a guitar hero because that was No More Tears, oh, which is oh. if you like guitar music, you have. I mean, I don't particularly like Ozzy Osbourne, but No More Tears is a banger, wall to wall, and the title it's track solos, mate. The title track has one of the greatest guitar solos of all time in it. Um, sensational, absolutely brilliant, and that's what kind of catapulted Zach Wilde uh, to the front. Um, You'll probably seen pictures. And the man looks like a Viking. He's got this kind of really long, straggly blonde hair, huge beard, huge beard. And he always well, plays the same guitar. Always plays the same guitar. A Les Paul, a Gibson Les Paul custom with a bullseye design on it, and that's that, that's his little signature, the bullseye guitar. You can't copy him. You can't copy him. No, no. Um, they're also terrible to play, but he he <laughs> yeah. he manages to he manages to pull it off. Uh, as a as a solo artist, he's released two of his own albums under Zach Wilde. They're both called Book of Shadows. Uh, they're about twenty years apart. And then as Black Label Society, he's released eleven albums. And eleven, really? Yeah, yeah. Start. I know with, like four really well. That's it. Yeah. Start with nineteen ninety nine Sonic Brew and all the way up to twenty twenty one's Doom Crew Incorporated. That's mega. I didn't know we'd done that many. 
Oh yeah, absolutely loads of them, and that's he had a kind of uh, country style one, which was Pride and Glory, which is a really good album yeah. from nineteen ninety four. Remember that. And then he also has a Black Sabbath tribute band that isn't Black Label Society called Zach Sabbath, which has released <laughs> two albums because he's a dork. Um, but yeah, I, I love he his, he's, he's he's got a very <laughs> unique style of playing. Um, a, a lot of kind of guitar heroes and lead guitarists. They they strive that there was a whole thing with the eighties and early nineties where you get people who were influenced by people like Joe Satriani and Steve Vai, um, and Kirk Hammett, where it was all this kind of really fluid musically legato. So so you you didn't really hear the sound of the pick a lot. There wasn't a lot of if you're not down picking, you're not doing it right. Yeah, it it was very fluid and flowing. Zach Wilde hits the guitar like it owes him money. Like yeah, he, he has does. such yeah, an does. angry percussive style. But he plays with speed, like the guy, Like I know how to play a lot of Zach Wild songs because, like I said, I learned how to play based on him. Um, and it's exhausting to play his guitar solos because they yeah. they are so inefficient as a musician. Like if you were to give if you were to give some of his solos to someone else, they would probably use hardly use the pick because he's kind of moving around really quickly. But it doesn't sound right. You've got to have that attack. You've got to have that drive into it. Um, and it just it sets him apart. He's one of those guitarists you can, you can just as soon as he plays a chord, you can hear, "Yeah, that's Zach Wild." Um, yeah. Whether you know who he is or not, um, some recommended listening, I would say, the first four uh, Black Label Society albums: so Sonic Bruce, Stronger Than Death, Nineteen Nineteen Eternal, and The Blessed Hell Ride. They're essential. They're fucking incredible albums. Uh, add, add to that, uh, No More Tears and Osmosis from the Aussie Years. Do not listen to Down to Earth or Black Rain. Just do not. They are not good albums. I like it. I like his riff on It Gets Me Through. Well, yeah. I like his that one. Yeah, I but like that's that a, the only good bit it, of the album. Sludgy. Yeah, yeah. It's sludgy. Yeah, it's sludgy, but it's not, not special. The, th- the thing is, uh, so Zach, Zach Wilde's brand was always very much about the drinking. He was a big drinker, and everything was... I mean, it, his live album with Black Label Society is called Alcohol Fuel Brutality. You'll like it, Biggie. It's all Jack Daniels. No, it was all, it went, no, it was all pale ale. He was a, he's pale a beer man. I thought, yeah. I thought he was a Jack Daniels guy. Nah, nah, he's not a whiskey, he wasn't a whiskey guy. Um, but he, <sighs> he basically drank so much he gave himself blood clots and he had to go sober. And then after that, the music went to shit. <laughs> it went really bad <laughs> after that. Nobody likes a quitter. Um, <laughs> but he does weird things now. Like, you know, he's, he, he, does the, he does the old Black Label Society album in the traditional style of really kind of Kind of groovy heavy metal, and then he he did a cover for it was so he did a, an album called "The Song Remains Not the Same," which is a really stupid title, but apparently he loves Led Zeppelin that much. Um, yeah. And on on that one, he did a cover of uh, "Ain't Nobody," yeah. the old Chaka Khan song. And the music video for it is him sta- in the kind of the biker rock look that he's got, playing an acoustic guitar on this kind of lovely, and he performs it well. Um, lovely love song, and the entire vi- in the video he's wearing one of those kind of rubber horse masks. Yeah. While doing this kind of reasonably earnest sobriety of the song. is a cruel mistress. <laughs> <laughs> but he just constantly does stupid shit. It also has he also seems to approve some of the worst album art I've ever seen. Um oh, he's a kid though, he's a kid, isn't he? He's Ed. I know, yeah, but like if you look at the cover for Shot to Hell, it's terrible. It's, it's, it's not it's nuns playing pool, but just like really poorly photoshopped together. Or um or actually with the same theme, twenty nineteen he did an EP in twenty nineteen called Nuns and Roaches, Tasty Little Bastards, which is a terrible title for an EP at the best of times. And the artwork for it is hideous. It's so bad. 
Uh, I don't know what's wrong with him, uh, but um, yeah, he's also now a paid spokesperson for Death Wish Coffee, so he's replaced alcohol with extreme caffeine. So the man's going <laughs> to die before he's guys. 60. Yeah, um, yeah but, your, your blood can become coffee if you don't help it. But yeah, if you go kind of back to his earlier days when he was doing the Aussie stuff and kind of the early Black Label side stuff, it's just impeccable musicianship, brilliant songwriting, amazing guitar solos, the riffs that stick in your head, brutal doom. Oh, it's so good. So I yeah. actually prefer his his live version of Crazy Train over Randy Rhodes' live version. And yeah, people he, say that's like the the the, the best one. And I think Zach Wilde's is better. Zach Wilde plays it really well. He does a lot of that, doesn't it? Pitch harmonics and stuff. It's yeah, yeah, it's fucking great, man. Yeah, I think also I think also as time went on, like his singing voice got higher and higher and more nasally, yeah. and you kind of lose yeah, like the did. like the early albums have got like a lot of grunt and real kind of push towards them. Last thing, I know he, last thing I knew he did was that uh, Leonard Skinnerd "We're Not Really Racist" tribute concert. That was a bad kind of racist. It was a bad look for everyone involved. <laughs> yeah, he's, exactly. he's, 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 he still has his Confederate Les Paul as well, which is always a bad look. <sighs> Get rid of it! Get rid of it! Yeah, so I don't much like him as a person, but it's just he had such an influence on me as a musician, like. Absolutely. If, if I turn the gain up on my guitar, I will sound like him because I'll just play riffs in his style. Um, but yeah, so go listen to some early Zach Wild stuff. Anything up to about 2005. Like Mafia is about the latest out. I would go with him. Um, the, uh, and oh yeah, definitely listen to Book of Shadows because there's some incredible songs on that one. So, but yeah, let's go to Biggie because I bet it's hip hop. <laughs> No, it is. Um, of course it is. J-Lo. <laughs> I know this will be difficult for you guys because it's obviously not going to be your thing, but hopefully like a few of the listeners... I like hip-hop. Will we know like who hip-hop. I'm... Yeah, but I mean that you may not know who I'm going to be talking about. So if you know who I'm talking coming about. straight from the underground. I know hip-hop. <laughs> I'm not going to sing rest I'm going to talk though. about <laughs> Peter O. Phillips, who is better known as Pete Rock. He's an American record producer. Never heard of him. <laughs> There you go, DJ and rapper. He's basically widely recognised as one of the greatest hip hop producers of all time. Um, often mentioned alongside DJ Premier, RZA, Q-Tip, and Jay Diller as one of the mainstays of the '90s East Coast hip hop production. Um, he basically was more famous for being in a group, Pete Rock and Seal Smooth. My ringtone is um, "They Reminisce Over You," which is also T R O Y, which was a song that I spoke about before, which was um, done as a tribute to a friend of theirs that died. Um, he fell off a building while they were performing um, a wow. music video for Heavy wow. D. Bloody it was hell. one of uh, his cousins. But Pete Rock um, has been around for a long, 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 long time. Uh, when Pete Rock and Seal Smooth, they basically did two albums and an EP and then went their separate ways. And Pete Rock naturally just went into producing. Um, he's worked alongside groups such as Stetisonic, Gangstar, Tribal Quest and The Roots. He is well known for picking elements from jazz into his music. He creates a lot of his beats from samples, the majority of which are taken from obscure R&B, funk and jazz records. He would sample drum, drum breakbeats such as Black Heat's Zimbaku for Heavy D Boy's Letters to the Future. Pete Rock um, basically was famous for using the SP-1200 and then went on to use the Akai, which is S950. And they're all sort of um, beat-making machines he used to beat, chop his way and cut through and 
layered all of his songs using various different samples to create his own song. He used that technique way long before <laughs> De La Soul did. They're three feet high and rising. Um, it's distinctive because he's famous for having a lot of bass lines, horn samples, and gritty drums. His beats almost sound like they're played from an old vinyl record. Um, and another part of his career, he... Um, what did he do? Sorry. Lost my way for a second. His okay. most famous uh, album was Mecca and the Soul Brother, uh, which he did with CL Smooth, and then they did the main ingredient. He's obviously been a massive influence on so many people. He does a lot of production for Mary J. Blige, Monica. He even did a song for Madonna called Secret, which was actually unreleased. He has some uncredited stuff, including Notorious B.I.G.'s Juicy. He's done the Tropical Quest jazz we got. And he's most famous for doing a lot of remixes, such as Public Enemy Shut Him Down. Just got a fantastic going throughout the whole song. It's awesome. Um, he also did Night Train for Public Enemy as well. He's still oh, going today. He's released a lot of um, his own albums, which is just music without any lyrics. They're called Pete Instrumentals. Have it as my alarm for one of the tracks. Um, yeah, he, he's done <laughs> cool. at least four of those. Um, yeah, he's just been around forever, still going strong today. Guardian just did a recent article on him. Um, and there's a little issue around him on social media. Um, he feels that although he's well recognized in the industry, he doesn't get a lot of recognition, particularly from his peers. Um, he's oh, had I know quite how a few he feels. Spats. I know how he feels. He's had, <laughs> he's had quite a few spats with uh, Kanye West or whatever he's known as Ye now. Good. Who, who, who fucking hasn't? <laughs> Fuck Kanye West. He has to come on this podcast and said no. I said not a chance. You know, every, also had an every, every, everyone's had a pop at Kanye. I mean, Candy's had one. Yeah. The two of them Crap. aren't on speaking terms anymore. Absolutely not. No, I'm still not waiting after, for an not, apology. Not after what he said and did. <laughs> exactly. Honestly. Allegedly. And he also had um, an in- an interesting spat with a rapper called Can I Bus, who came out a long time ago in the nineties. Was like a one hit, was yeah, a one hit wonder. And then he recently apparently produced the tracks for Can I Bus's recent album, got credited for doing it. And then he went on Twitter and said, "No, oh, I fucking didn't. It's got nothing to do with me. Take my name <laughs> off it." And then they produced receipts proving that he got paid for it. Um, what? And it's just really weird. He, I love, he I love hip hop beef. I love it. I love it. He, he's using. Twitter as basically like a thinking out loud and not sorry, How old is this gentleman? Thinking. How old is he? Should is he, he be off Twitter? Yeah, uh, he's about boomer. 52 or something now. Get him so, off. Boomer Get him territory. <laughs> Get him off. So, yeah, he just sometimes maybe he should think before he posts stuff. Um, but for me... You, look, when, when you're a verified person, you need to watch what you're fucking saying to Twitter, man. <laughs> I agree, I agree. Um and yeah, it's just a bit disappointing when you see these sort of public spats um, on the social media. But for me, just his music is just timeless. Yeah, and I can to any of his albums, whether um, it's got with rappers, whether it's the instrumental stuff, he's just awesome. And long may he continue. But if you don't know him, please go and check out Pete Rock's stuff. It's awesome. I'm checking out his Twitter Biggie, account. You are, you are proper fucking cool. Because I don't know none of that. Like, you're a cool guy, and I'm jealous. Well, I Excellent. just love my 90s hip-hop. He's one of them. Man, I know. I think it's fucking... I've got mates that like are hip-hop DJs and things like that and oh, use samples or whatever whatever the hip-hop terminology is and fucking... Uh, 
they'd have conversations with you for hours, man. So it's a world I'm just not. I don't know. Use, use samples, the whatever the hip hop terminology is. Yeah, sampling is in everything. No, but they use them beats, don't they? Them, them, them machines. You mean a drum machine? Yeah, the SP twelve hundred yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> that's, that's the one. That's the one. one. <laughs> like every band has used a drum machine at some point, even just to punch the beat in for a recording. Yeah, no, we just use a drummer. But anyone, anyone that's a fan of Pete Rock and particularly Pete Rock and CL Smooth, um, after they split up, CL Smooth then appeared on a couple of Pete's Soul Survivor albums. We did stuff with Method Man and all sorts of people. So he, he just collaborated with I a lot of people. Him. So CL Smooth came back on, did a couple of tracks, and everyone kept thinking, oh, they're going to get back together. And still to this day, everybody still wants them to get together. But apparently, according to The Guardian, um, it was an off the um, off topic. They weren't allowed to talk about it. Ooh. So I guess their relationship still hasn't healed, which is a real shame because as great as Pete Rock is and everything that he does, I still love when he was with CL Smooth, and I just think if those two could get back together again, they could release something special. But they're like pros; they have to have that uh, connection. <laughs> <laughs> One and all. So yeah, who knows? We'll have to see. That's awesome. but, yeah. Fantastic, amazing guy. Um, Candy, you you you've got a rich tapestry of music in your life. I who truly are you do. Wearing black. Uh, actually, you just alluded to it earlier, and uh, mine is. Slipknot and Corey Taylor, the singer in particular. Um, normally, I write quite a few notes for my main subject, but Slipknot's a band that has been so dear to me for such a long time. When it came to kind of putting pen to paper, um, it was difficult to properly convey how much they sort of mean to me. So apologies if my thoughts are a little bit disjointed, but um, trying to sort of find the right words. Um, but they've been like, consistently one of my favourite bands from the age of about 14, I think. Um, and they, they haven't got that many albums out. I think it's possibly about six now. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, it's six. I, I think they kind of employ a, a less is more. And I think it takes a lot of energy out of them as well when they're actually recording and they, they go on these huge touring cycles. But they're so... They do like year-long tours, don't they? The crazy people. Yeah, and it, their shows, even now, are so chaotic and they're so violent and there's so much like raw energy and oh, men in the late 40s exactly these <laughs> lads are in their 40s and early 50s um but it's i think crazy. there's there's a tendency among metal among music fans and among metal fans in particular to kind of look down on them a bit as if they were a kind of like a gimmicky band because if you don't know they wear masks or they certainly did when they they, they still do do they they've, they've taken their masks <laughs> it, off it's... now just gatekeeping because they got pro- they got popular amongst people who aren't metalheads as well. That's all it is. They also exactly. they, they also Not got wrong. popular in kind of 1999 when new metal was kicking off, and everyone like that that first they lumped it in, didn't they? Yeah, the first album, the self-titled one, is a legitimately brilliant piece of composition and music. But yeah. it, it, everyone's saying, "Oh, these guys are just like Limp Biscuit with ma- masks," and it's just like imagine, imagine. No. <laughs> No, you don't put Roland next to spit it out no. <laughs> and say they're the same kind of music. I'll wait and bleed and yeah. fucking take a look around. <laughs> but I mean, I love even, that track. Even the, of course you do. Even the, I don't know if you want to call it the first album or the second album because their first album isn't always counted. 
It's it's counted yeah. more of a sort of demo, make, kill, feed, repeat. I, 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 still, I still love that one as the jazz metal odyssey that it is. It's yeah, fucking it's wild. It's a strange one, but it's, it's, it's raw as fuck, though, isn't it? Yeah. It's undercooked. Because they, they funded it themselves. It cost, it cost them something like 40 grand. And they funded it themselves, and it didn't work. And at that point, I don't yeah. think they were even wearing masks, potentially. And then they sort of, they almost called it a day after that, uh, after that album. And I think they were just spitballing ideas. It was Corey actually that came up with the idea of coming up with masks and giving themselves. They they wear um, overalls with barcodes, and they all have a name. Jump There's suits, nine of them, yeah. by the way. There's nine, so it's numbers not to eight. But yeah, I mean, it was it was it was easy to kind of cast them off, like you said just as a gimmicky band. And in some ways, I think the masks did help, but in some ways they did hinder them as well. Like, I I think they would have been taken more seriously if, as musicians. Were they not wearing masks, but at the same time, would they have got, you know, all kind of eyes on them? They did. And they did come out at the right time as well, like you said, on, on Roadrunner when all these bands were coming out and they got lumped in, but also it was a, a springboard for them. Um, But, yeah, their performances and throughout the career, it has been... They've obviously suffered quite badly mentally, I think, and I don't know if that's a result of the music or if the music is a result of this, but they have a tendency to kind of create... The way I would put it is that they put... They kind of create beauty out of pain. And I know that sounds like a weird thing to say. Again, you know, it's not something you would necessarily associate with Slipknot, but if you listen to songs like Snuff, it's a really melodic, really dark, song and there's several of these throughout their career and there's usually at least one kind of i don't want to call it a ballad because it's not but it's more of an acoustic driven song like, rather than um, these like blast like beats and Verm- vermilion part two is it that's the it's, really yeah, like vermilion like and gently kind of and stuff like that yeah, yeah yeah there's a there's a really wonderful version acoustic version of snuff that's just like cory taylor by himself with an acoustic oh, it's guitar stunning incredible yeah. and it's it's, it's, really it's nice. no it's, got a good it's voice. no surprise he has. I think it's like there's there's an actual like I want to say he's in the Guinness Book of Records for having the biggest range in metal. I think that's I think there's a fact like that. Yeah, he out did, there he did. He did it on one of them scales. Um, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he did. He's not been beaten yet. Yeah, but, if you listen to like it, well, his Stone Sour stuff, he sings yeah. a lot more than he does for on yeah, that like and, sh- and shows his range a lot more. Like in terms, yeah, he's of what got he a great do. range on him. Stone Sour is a lot more um, melodic. I would say Stone Sour is probably more of like a heavy rock band, whereas Slipknot is... It's more radio-friendly. Yeah, and then Slipknot's proper metal. (laughs) And then I I don't know his creative process, whether he writes a song for a band specifically or he just writes a song and it'll be like, what, that's for Stone Sour or that's definitely a Slipknot song. I reckon that's Yeah, and there are a couple of crossovers as well. I think there's been some songs that have been demoed by Slipknot and it's, it's been released as a Stone Sour band. Um, but it's it's no wonder because again, if you listen to some of the lyrics, it's it's no wonder that not all of the band members did make it. You know, two of them already now have gone. Um, mm. And again, they've they've taken that and they've put it into their albums. And one of their albums is called, I think it's the the Gray Chapter, isn't it? Yeah. And yeah. that was purely for uh, Paul Gray, who was sadly the first member who um, who left us. Um, mm. But but going back to the, I mean, I, I've seen Slipknot, Slipknot at every point in their career. Like, it, I think I was f- probably 14 or 15 when I first went to see them. And this was when they were still a raw band. They were supporting bands like Slayer. They weren't on main stages. They were on side stages. And it, it did feel like, they genuinely did feel like a dangerous band to watch. And you just knew that they were just going to explode. 
Like these, they had the were, most aggressive uh, mosh pits I've ever been in my life. Oh, without a doubt, I would agree with that. Yeah, it's that first wall of death I was ever in was Slipknot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they do this wonderful. Um... I'm not built for walls of death, guys. No, I don't anymore. No, one, but I do... no one's built for walls of death. That's the point. <laughs> I, do I was right there. I was, about, <laughs> I was about 16, and I was going to see Slipknot, and it was in um, the Birmingham NEC. It was the Disaster Pieces tour. And I remember mm. I'd got a boiler suit for the occasion and I, I was wearing skate shoes at the time because that's all we would wear. And I remember like duct taping my shoes to my feet just in case they got knocked <laughs> yeah. off. Because that's all you'd fucking see is odd shoes and random feet that come off and people throwing shoes. And back and then, unfortunately, they used to pick women up and throw them about. Yeah, and that happened on more than one occasion. Luckily, yeah. I, was, I was lucky on that one because I was, um, for the majority of, of it, I was sitting down. But on this particular show... Um, the seats were lined with a type of material. One person had ripped the material off that seat and thrown it into the mosh pit. Of course, the entire floor, oh dear. floor then, it was just like a sea of flying carpet, like flying seat covers. It was incredible. Um, yeah. But yeah, going back to it, seen them every point of their career. I've seen every, every, um, every album tour they've done. I've been in the mosh pit. I've been at the sides. One of the the last um, shows that I've seen of them, I took my friend's 10-year-old lad and I was still on the parent wall in the end because I took him down to the front and it's, um, what was it? Um, I can't remember what tour it was. It, it wasn't the most recent. It was the one before, but they were using a lot of pyrotechnics and everything. And to a 10-year-old boy, there's a <laughs> lot going on to watch. So he had a bit of a moment. I took him to the parent wall. I was like, this is what my life has become now. But it, there's something for everyone. You know, if you're at the back, you can see it. You can see what's going on. It's perfect. But I've seen them grow as a band, and I've seen them overcome member losses. And the the way that they've just been, they've released consistently good albums. Like there, there's been slightly weaker albums, there's been slightly stronger albums, but all of them are consistently good. And that's one of the few bands that I think I can say from for such a long amount of time that they just haven't really gone off for me. But so. Corey himself, the singer is um the most down-to-earth humble and really highly intelligent person if you ever see him being interviewed you'll know this and in several situations he will talk he's able to command a crowd of thousands and thousands but he's also able to talk to people on a one-to-one level and be engaged and keep their interest and talk eloquently he's the author of i think probably it's four books now He's done an autobiography. He's done, um, I think, several um, autobiographies. He's done a book about the paranormal and a couple of other ones. They're on Audible, actually. He reads them himself. Um, done a Christmas song? <laughs> probably. That'd be good. Oh, wait. Know- he has done a Christmas no, yeah, song. Yeah, he has. Do they know yeah. it's Corey? No, no. Oh, trust me. If you've not heard it. <laughs> just a, it's, just, it's just called Xmas, and it's just a stupid punk song. Yeah, it's good. I'm sure I would have heard it. Um, but in his own life, you know, he's he's been through abuse himself as a, as a child at the hands of a neighbour. Unfortunately, he's he's battled yeah. several mental health um, issues and addictions, um, a couple of suicide attempts as well. Unfortunately, but it's I think that's that's kind of a bit of a curse when you're that when you're that intelligent, you do find it hard. I think to connect to people. I think maybe that is. Part of the problem sometimes. I know alien, I suffer with that, being so with intelligent. The, with, with the world. That's what a lot of very intelligent people, they get alienated and like they, they, get, they get frustrated that people don't understand 
what, and it was, what, what they're thinking and what they're wanting and stuff. And I, yeah, you see it all the time, especially especially really, really talented minds as well. It's one of those um, curses that come with talent. Exactly. And of course, it's exacerbated by being on tour and being surrounded by drugs and yeah, everything. Yeah. But completely sober now, I think he's been sober for quite a while. He's had periods of, uh, of being sober on and off in his career. It's so trendy being now. sober nowadays, isn't, isn't it? Isn't it? So trendy. It's a bunch of saddos. <laughs> Um, but he's just funny as fuck as well. Like if he, again, if you see him being interviews, he will just crack a joke and he'll tell. He's he's a real good storyteller. He'll crack all these anecdotes and you know he'll take you on a journey. Um, I remember, and this is going to be a bit of a name dropping moment, but I got the opportunity to um, be backstage at Download, and I think it was two thousand and five. It was me and a good friend of mine, and. We had no business being backstage. We we got there purely by chance. Um, and we got talking to him. He approached us, didn't know us, just started chatting. And and throughout the weekend, he would, you know, cons- he, he'd come up to us and have a chat and say good morning. And he, it was as if he'd known us for 10 years. He was that humble, that down to earth. And it was, you know, it's, he was actually listening to us. He was paying attention. He actually cared what we had to say. And he had no reason to, you know, we were a couple of, 20-year-old girls that, you know, look like groupies. But he at, at, no point, <laughs> at no point ever did he talk down to us or act as if we, we were on a separate level. You know, he was a really nice guy. Um, again, huge geek as well, which we like on the show. He did um, a couple of the voices for um, Doctor Who. Yeah, he did some of the aliens. And as I said earlier, he's um, got the greatest singing range in metal. And I just... Um, just really, I re- just really love Slipknot. I love him. I, n- I know it's easy to take the piss, but I think a lot of that hate is um, not, you know, it's it's not been earned. I was um, still do the mask to meet. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. They they used to they used to disguise their identities completely. Um, after anymore. a couple of albums, they especially when Stone Sour came out, um, Corey took his mask off, and then throughout the years, they they've all kind of eventually yeah. just taken their masks off, but. Yeah, I, I was uh, looking up to meet to meet um, Sean, um, a clown, um, at a gig, a tour, and um, he was nice as well, massive but nice, <laughs> massive but nice, and also quite scary. He's no, uh, no, he was, it was a sweet. I didn't yeah. know it was him at first. Someone told me it was him. I think he was one of the last him. people to. He was one of the last yeah. ones to take his mask off. Someone said, "Do you not- know him?" There, sat down. That's 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 clown. I went fuck off. Some of them what? actually look like their masks as well. Joey looked a lot like his mask, and Mick as well, the big guy with the sort of Joey wasn't mask. big. <laughs> no. no, he was not, not at all. <laughs> and then Mick looks exactly like his mask. Right, well, did you take Mick's mask off and you've just got beard? Another mask. Yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> mask when you just said about a uh, clown being scary, it reminds me of a video my friend put up when he saw Sit Not Live, and obviously mm. for Spit It Out, when everyone gets down on the ground. Yeah. Oh yeah. And he came into the crowd and he's just and he's wandering around and he's just with his baseball wand- bat. And he's wandering around with his bat and he and, and people who you know, because there's always some that don't get down. Yeah. He's wandering around, he's there going, get the fuck down. You get the fuck <laughs> yeah. down now. And then when he when um Corey starts, get the fuck up, clown just fucking pelts it through the crowd. Security yeah. guards like trying to keep up with him behind him. <laughs> yeah. He just pelts it through the crowd back to the stage. It's so good. But that's what I was yeah. gonna mention actually, the whole the whole jump the fuck up thing, because they still do that even now. Yeah. And it's funny, like when oh, we I... when I first started to go see them, jumping the fuck up was not a problem. Now when most of the fans, <laughs> late thirties, early forties, jumping on. the fuck up, not not quite so easy. 
It's much oh, man, it's a much slower get the fuck up. <laughs> and if you text longer as well, well like because rather than just doing the ver- like the, the lyrics that lead up to it, you'll start talking, won't he? So it yeah, takes about anecdote. two. So he tells you everyone to get down and you're there bouncing on your legs going, My my knees, man. Hanging on to each other, like, oh, yeah. hang on, right, off we go then. Everyone jumps up, you hear the world's loudest crack. <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, um, though, I'm not surprised he's got such a good range because his neck is fucking massive. Oh, he's but got the neck of a tree. It's mostly neck, to be fair. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's neck, neck incarnate. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good pick, that candy. I, I love Slipknot, and they're one of the best bands I've ever seen live. Mm. Um, so, I, I hope to see them again someday. Uh, but we'll move on now to Stig. Okay, so mine. Avril Lavigne. I've, fuck off. <laughs> it's Avril Lavigne. No, um, <laughs> I've gone for the nicest guy in rock and roll. It's an easy pick. Uh, might, some might say a cliche pick, but I've gone Dave Grohl. Ah, the best teeth and shoe business. Yeah, <laughs> I love Dave, him. Dave Grohl is incredible. Um, if you don't know who Dave Grohl is, um, you must have been living under a rock for the last twenty years. I but, think he's the uh, drummer from Nirvana, isn't he? <laughs> he no, he's the drummer from uh, Scream. Yes, yes. <laughs> so, no, yeah, Dave Grohl is the front man of uh, the Foo Fighters, started his career in a band called Scream before moving on to Nirvana. Um, and I just kind of have so much respect for the man after what happened with Kurt Cobain and Nirvana oh, to God, imagine. pick himself up from that and within a year kind of just focus on his work and record a, f- a full album by himself. He, he, he recorded the first full... Foo Fighters album. We've mentioned this before, but he played all the instruments, sang it all himself. Uh, one it, song it? where he, he, someone did the um, guitar in, but yeah, he just produced it all and did it all himself. And from there, he's just gone up and up and up and up in the world. And he's taken that tragedy and kind of run with it and become one of the most, biggest and most successful rock bands of all time. And on the way, has produced absolutely incredible songs. And moments and tours, and I just think that the guy is he's such a good frontman, and oh, to yeah. be to go from a drumming role and then to put yourself front and center to changing the instrument you're playing to be the vocals to push yourself away from the type of music with Nirvana were to not be a so like it's not a bad thing to be associated with Nirvana, but to not just be or that's the ex-Nirvana drummer. He uh, also saw the grunge scene dying. He wasn't copying Nirvana. He didn't jump yeah. on Nirvana and do a Nirvana-style album. Mm. I think even to this thing. day, the Foo Fighters have never um, covered a Nirvana song, and that was one thing when he created Foo Fighters, is like, I, I'm never going to do a Nirvana song live, never ever. This is a completely different band, and I think that's that stayed. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it's as much as people are like going to say, oh, yeah, I'd love for him to do that. I'd love for him to do that. It's, it's Foo Fighters is its own thing. It's a completely separate thing that he just took and rolled with and made bigger and added members to the band. Um, and I love Foo Fighters. Uh, they're one of my favorite bands of all time. I've seen them five times. Every single time wow. he is just a ball of energy. And he just holds the like like you'd say with Corey Taylor, just holds the crowd in the palm of his hands and everyone is focused on him and, and listening to him when he has something to say. Um he he's just 
I think that people kind of rip on him a bit now because it seems mm. to be one of those things where, oh, he's a nice guy, and, and people kind of like, it's nice guy Dave Grohl, you know what I mean? Like, and I, I just think, what's wrong with being nice? What's He's wrong such a with, professional, though, isn't What's he? wrong with him doing nice things for people, uh, even if, you know... Yeah. He's done... I've found a load of few cool things he's done here. Like, he did a fan garage jam where Wasted Light was recorded in his garage, so to kind of show fans appreciation. They yeah. go and play in fans' garages. That's really cool. Like, that's interacting with your fans and not seeing yourself above anyone just because you're the millionaire, because you're the rock star. He's quite yeah. happy to just go off and play with fans in their garage. The amount of videos I've seen of him pulling people out of the crowd to play along with them, and putting the focus on them and bigging them up, it's brilliant. He's, um, if you saw during the pandemic, he did this kind of drum off with this little girl called Nandy Bushel. That was great. So oh, she, God. she became so fa- God. famous by playing Foo Fighters song and obviously it got the attention of Dave Grohl. And they had this little like drum off and, and battle back and forth. She was sensational have... though. Oh yeah, she was. And, he, and eventually he conceded defeat. He doesn't have to yeah. do that. He doesn't have no. to like as much as people probably tagging him and sending it to the Foo Fighters accounts and trying to get hold of him, say, look, I've seen this video, I've seen this video. He could, there's a lot of people in rock and roll who would have just gone, that's nice, and moved on. But he made it his personal mission to kind of interact with this girl and make a thing about it and just be a nice guy. Like, it's just, he's just really cool and down to earth. And, um, yeah, I just... I remember once when an old company I used to work for, and this is going back to like 2006, and they did used to do interviews with the people that worked there. And one of the questions was, oh, if you could invite anyone to dinner, who would it be? And he was my instant answer. Because I just think like how... And that was before he was like even, you know, he's grown, he's got a lot bigger since then, and he's been a lot in the media and the limelight a lot more since then. But I was loving Foo Fighters back then and knew how fucking awesome he was. And I think he'd be, he'd be classed to have as a dinner guest. <laughs> mm. He'd probably do washing up for you. He probably would, yeah. <laughs> he'd pay for it, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> What's the thing that happened with him? Um, didn't he fall off a stage and break his leg or something? Yeah, yeah he came back, carried on. came back and played. <laughs> Yeah, the, 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 the create, no, no, the create a thrown out of guitars for him to sit that on. That was it, that was it. He did so the rest he, of the time in a wheelchair, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but he did the rest, isn't he? So many people just gone right. That's it. Unfortunately, it's over. He, yeah. And he wouldn't do that. I don't think he'd, he'd dream of ever upsetting the fans like that. Obviously, the recent tour has been cancelled for good reason. No yeah, one yeah. had ever begrudged them that because that's yeah. an absolute tragedy. And again, he's been through. He's the man, lost, the tragedy follows him, doesn't it? He's lost mm. his best friend, another one. Yeah. Um, where he goes yeah, from exactly. here, we don't know. Uh, there is going to be some tribute concerts. For Taylor Hawkins, but where Dave Grohl and Foo Fighters go from here, I don't know. But even if the Foo Fighters end, I don't think he will. Mm. He will no. I think he'll pick himself up, he'll throw himself in his work, and you'll see some new stuff, yeah. even maybe different stuff from the Foo Fighters, like he did last time. Yeah, well, I think we'll see some more somber, somber music from him. I think, uh, yeah, I, I think it's very likely that's that's what he'll do. He won't. I, I, I think. 
because Taylor Hawkins was such a kind of critical part of the Foo Fighters. Yeah. Like, you know, like early Foo Fighters sounds like Dave Grohl drumming. By by the time Taylor comes into it for what the color and the shape, um, the band sounds different. You know, because Taylor is yeah. pushing so much of it. So I th- that there is a big part of me that thinks even if he ends up working with like Chris Shiflett and uh, Pat Smear and Nate, yeah, uh, Mendel again, it would be a different band. It would have to be well. because it'll never sound the same. And I don't think Dave Grohl would. There is a part of me that thinks Dave Grohl wouldn't want to continue without Taylor. The same way he didn't want to continue Nirvana without Kurt. Yeah. Mm. I, I can would, see him being like a, a, a sort of a guest on a lot of tours. Like he'll 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 guest with a lot of the big bands. I think might go back to yeah. Queen to the Stone Age for a little bit because like yeah, uh, makes sense. Song, songs songs for the deaf is a fucking blinder of an album, and his drumming on that is incredible. That drum solo in songs for the, song for the dead is stuff as well. He produces a lot, like he did Eagles of Death Metal and stuff like that, didn't he? And mm-hmm. yeah, Tenacious D. Oh, one he did he did a lot of helping with that. He, 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 he drummed on every Tenacious D album. Yeah, and sung on a lot of them. He's ah, legend. Yeah, legend. I, just, I think he's just brilliant. Um, I love listening to him uh, talk in interviews. Oh, shit, sorry, back to my mic there. Uh, yeah, I love listening to him talk in interviews. I love hearing the stories he comes out with. He always seems so happy and um, willing to give people the time in interviews and things like that. It's I, I do want to listen to his autobiography. Um, I haven't got it or yeah. read it yet, so but he does narrate that, so I'm kind of interested to listen to that. Um, be quite sad listening to it, to be honest, because obviously it, it was would. written and narrated before Taylor's death. So I think those chapters might be quite hard hitting listening to that because he has described him as his like best friend and his soulmate, sure. basically. Yeah, yeah. The, um, um, he's he's also kept a sweatband industry in business for yep. a long time. I I, I love he hearing da- sweatband. I love hearing Dave Grohl talk about his process for writing songs because, as talented as knowingly talented as the man is, he knows nothing of music. He doesn't know any music theory or anything like that. There's a great yeah. great thing interview where he's got his acoustic guitar and they're asking, and he's talking about how he composed Everlong. Um. And he, and he goes, so I start playing this. He starts playing the main riff. He says, then I had to go to this chord, and he plays it. And someone says, what chord, what chord are you playing there? He says, no idea. I'm a drummer. I don't know what chords are. And he just keeps playing it. It's so can't funny. can't read music of anything, can he? No, never, never has been able to. He can't even read drum music. He just plays. Mental. Mastered. What a bastard. The, um, talent. Too talented, it's not fair. Yeah. <laughs> but he's, he's produced and written... Um, Two of my favorite songs of all time, which is My Hero and Everlong. Yeah, I absolutely adore those songs. Um, so, yeah, I just think to take himself from a tragedy with Nirvana and kind of just roll with it, he's just brilliant. Because he could have he could have dropped off into obscurity. Um, yeah, because he weren't, he weren't exactly the front man of Nirvana, obviously. Every, every, all eyes were on Kurt Cobain, weren't they? Yeah, well, the oh. drummers never really are until you kind of get big. Like, he, oh, like, like, look at look at look at he was just there with his long hair. You couldn't even fucking see I, him in that stuff. You guys might know Nirvana fans. On I don't know the name of the other guy, the bassist Chris Novoselic. That's yeah. it. So I'd have to be told it or look it up. I can't. Remember. I don't. He know dropped where off he, face of the earth. Don't know where he's done or what what he's done and whether he he thought he wanted to get out of the business after what happened with Kurt. Fine, but Dave Grohl wasn't. Didn't want to do that, and just look at the success and the music and everything that he's done since there. So yeah, I will always love and respect his music. Yeah, man. Yeah, 
he's, he's, he's an excellent choice. He's an excellent musician. He's just he's written some of the best rock songs, the best songs of the last thirty years. Mm. So also um, like seeing him on tour, like when when the the first one, the um, all my life, it's just like and the crowd like building. It's yeah. building and then it hits and everyone just goes nuts. It was mate, his breath control on uh, is it Monkey Wrench? Yeah, like... where he does the oh, big yeah. thing. fuck me. I've heard him do that live in yeah, front yeah. of me. His breath control, I'm like, fuck that. Is it solid? It's a, it's also incredible that he can do a song like One by One, uh, sorry, All My Life, um, and make it interesting playing a single chord throughout the whole song. <laughs> Because yes. because outside of the chorus, he's just playing a G chord. That's it. All all the other guitar work in it is done by Chris Shifflin, and it's just yeah. it's incredible. He's just sat there going dun 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 all the way through the whole song. It's fucking amazing. Right, we've gone on long enough. Rounded out oodles because I think I know who you yeah. picked. Yeah, uh, I've gone with a man that changed my musical odyssey for the better, in my opinion. So I was obsessed. With all things metal and death car and stuff, I was a snob of the highest snobiety. Um, I was, if it's not metal, if it's not dark, if it's not aggressive, I'm not interested. Two artists then changed my uh, opinion on this. First one was Prince, which was a massive inspiration to me. But I think this gentleman took the biscuit for changing my life. David Robert Jones, better known as David Bowie. Um, if you don't know who Bowie is, if you've been living on Mars for the last uh, 50 years, which he'd like that, um, he was an English singer-songwriter and actor, leading figure in the music industry. He is regarded as one of the most influential musicians of the 20th century. Bowie was acclaimed by critics and musicians, particularly for his innovative work during the 1970s. His career was marked with reinvention and visual presentation. And his music and stagecraft had a significant impact on popular music, which that's the big thing for me, uh, is innovation with it. Um, he wasn't liked at first. Uh, people didn't get David Bowie. They didn't understand why he wanted to write songs about uh, sad things in the 70s. Um, his first few albums and stuff, first few singles were sad, a bit, a bit, a bit of a, a man um, alienated from the world and he was given some advice early on in his life uh, if don't don't be david jones be someone else and that's exactly what he fucking did he created personas which you all you all know his famous personas um including ziggy stardust aladdin sane halloween jack uh, thin white duke and his last character that he ever did was uh, the blind prophet um just changed what i mean musically to be to be absolutely fair, Bowie didn't change the um it didn't set the world alight musically. I think a lot of his songs and his albums and stuff are quite um adequate sometimes. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't yeah. all about the music for us. It was everything surrounding it. He he he, he went back to the stage presence and like you you get like Freddie Mercury which is bombast, isn't it? And just hyper like getting the crowd involved, uh, Bowie was more. You've come to this show today. Guess who I am? I'm a lad insane. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And that you're watching that. It, it's the theatrics of it, and I don't know what it was about myself uh, in my late teens. I was trying to find myself as well a little bit. Um, I didn't know what I wanted to be anymore. I didn't know what I wanted to, who I wanted to be. I did traveling and stuff to try and soul search and stuff like that. I had obviously, as you know, drug abuse and stuff like that was 
haunting me, trying to get no. And I kind of like switched myself around and pretended I was someone else to see the rest of the world and stuff. I I didn't use my real name when I was traveling and stuff like that. And I was inspired by Bowie to do that. It helped me get past these um, social barriers and stuff like that that back then no one talked about. You couldn't mention the word anxiety back then. You couldn't do it. It wasn't a thing, especially a man. And it helped me. It helped me like build myself around that and, and be who I wanted to be. And then it also helped me not have to have this persona and just be myself. When I became a dad and stuff like that, it's like, yeah, just be yourself. You know what I mean? I know we all use fake names in this, on this podcast, but that's to protect us from our ravenous fans knocking on us doors and stuff like that. But sometimes you can be yourself, can't you? And when Bowie was himself, if you've watched interviews of him, he was such a lovely bloke. Such mm, a lovely bloke. Yeah. A dad. Do you know what I mean? A lot of people don't realise he were a dad and stuff. And he was, he was so, like... um. It was so forward thinking, like talking about sexuality when you couldn't talk about sexuality, talking about representation when you couldn't talk about that, wearing women's clothes when it wasn't a thing to do and he wasn't bothered. And people used to say, oh, are you gay? He's like, why would you label me as gay? Why would you assume, do you know what I mean? Assumptions and stuff like that. He wasn't a gay man. And I, I don't know, there's just something about his whole his image and his, his way with words and, and poet, because a lot of his songs are poems uh, and prose and there's something beyond what the actual music is because he wasn't stupid. He did Let's Dance because that kind of music was popular then. He's not fucking stupid. He's got yeah. a mortgage, do you know what I mean? But, yeah, he, he, just, he just did something to me. And I know Gadget's a big fan of Black Star. Oh, I love um, that album. It's a fucking it's incredible pr- album. It's probably the best... Um, eulogy that anyone's ever put on record ever he this was a man that secretly was dying and he thought you know what best way to do this the ultimate curtain call is to record my death yep in musical Mm -hmm. form and he did it and when i he he, so in 2016 he died so and i was woken by my wife like she knew how much she meant he meant to me with this terrible news and it was liver cancer. I didn't know. Do you know what I mean? I didn't know he would. He had that. Uh, it kept very closely guarded from the public. And him and Prince, when they they, they were the two first like celebrities that affected me. Because you you, you you say, oh, they've retired there, and you think, oh, that's sad. Don't ruin your day. Sometimes does it? It's horrible, but it doesn't. Yeah. These this, this room, my week. This 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 changed how I thought about things. And when you listen to Blackstar, like, it's a super macabre and depressing album, but it's very, very, very important. It's, I've never, I've never known music like that, that, that can, you know exactly what he's going through, even to the last, the last it track. It came and, out before he died, didn't it? I think yes. he passed literally the yeah. day after it came out. No, yeah. it, it was, it, it was the, the very close. Al- the album came out the week before we died. Basically, it got to the point where he saw it got to number one, and then he popped his clogs. Yeah, yeah. Like, you imagine listening to that and just being like, "Oh, this is the Bowie. Uh, Bowie's written this um, yeah. album about a man dying, and, and it's profound <laughs> and and experimental, and it's really cool." And then yeah. a week later, he dies, and you think, "Fuck shit! It was, shit it's about him. It's about himself." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just it's, incredible. And that were, that were his last persona, The Blind Prophet, which 
he never got to show on stage, but I imagine he would have done very intimate gigs about it and stuff like that. No, if he, had. He, 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 hadn't, he hadn't performed live for like 12 years to that point anyway. Yeah, he'd not had it. He'd not. He had a heart and attack was, on was, stage and just never went yes. on stage again. He was just... I know there's something about that album that sticks with me even now. It's, it's, it's probably the newest album we're talking about here, to be honest. Um, but yeah, and then every, every... Like, his top albums for me are The Man Who Sold The World. Fucking perfect for the time. Not stupid at all. People hated it. People didn't like it then, but I think it was really clever. It was against disco, <laughs> which was huge then, and he was fed up with it. And then uh, Rise and Fall of Ziggy Stardust and the Spiders from Mars, legendary album. Fucking, here we go. Let's 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 rock and roll. Um, Diamond Dogs, Banger, and again Black Star. They, they were them. They're the albums. They're always on, and it's it's weird that I can happily get up on a morning and commute to work listening to Black Star. You, you wouldn't imagine it, would you? But it's still poignant. It still it still works with your day to day life. Um, yeah, the the legacy that he left, man, just mind blowing. I know people, some people can't stand him, but he's not just the Goblin King. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's even in that, even in Labyrinth and stuff, he he put his all into it, didn't he? Yep. Loved his cameo so. in um, extras as well. It was really funny in that. Oh yeah, chubby little fat man. Yeah, <laughs> fucking fantastic. And just everything, every every time, even up until his, his late life, like when he popped up in Zoolander. Do you know what I mean? He's like, oh, Bowie's here. Let's fucking go. Let's go. Just, there was something about him. His his keen eye for fashion and stuff. It's just, oh, this is, again, it's not all just about the music. He was just an idol. Yeah. Because again, he's not the most. He's not the most competent musician. He's not got the best voice. He's got a very unique voice, but he ain't got very much range. And it's just oh, how, how he did what he did was just sensational with what he had. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he had, he had a troubled past and stuff with his family and mental health and stuff like that. But yeah, just what an idol. And he'll always be number one to me. Number one. Fantastic. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay, so we'll go straight into the mailbag then because we've been going on long enough about the people that we love. We're going to hear what the audience loves and uh, well, quite a lot of them this week, actually. Music's good. Yeah, Leroy Francisco started off saying, I'm going to say two artists who have really helped me find myself. David Bowie. He made me feel oh, more confident a being a bit weird and not worrying about trying to fit in with my peers and just, not worrying about... Just before about- you continue, I don't read the, the, uh, the, 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 the mailbag. I didn't know he was going to pick this. Yeah. This is just... Um, yeah, but a bit weird. Not worrying, trying to fit on my peers. Not worry about whatever my sexuality was is too much, and just get on with it. Yep. Second is the Beastie Boys. I love. Yes, I just love how much fun they were having. They really strike me as a band oh, that yeah. does all, uh, the music they want to, and not what is expected. And I also really respect their stance on their early misogynistic music pers- uh, or personas. Oh, and the Clash. Ah, oh, yeah. Uh, Nimrod Hicks is in saying, "Dear Monday Energy." I, like most, have many musical idols. Otis Redding, Nina Simone, the Beastie Boys, Leonard Cohen, Keith Richards, and Steve Cropper, just to mention a few. However, standing above them all is the towering colossus that is of genius that is Bob Dylan. Uh-huh. Arguably, the 20th century, yeah. Arguably the 20th century's most important poet, Dylan's early work especially changed the world with its laser-sighted observation on the human condition delivered through an often surreal form where words evoke a sense of something rather than provide a description of it. The ghost electricity howled in the bones of her face, being a personal favourite. 
from his activist protest work works of the times they are a changing, uh, or the vicious barb spitting anger of masters of war to his eleven and a half minute epic love letter is the sad eyed lady of the lowlands. Dylan finds the truth of any subject with his pen and delivers it through his music. For me, no one has come close to the extraordinary body of work he has produced, and no one speaks to my inner voice more accurately than Dylan. Pure genius. Love to all, Nimrod Hicks. And he has a thing for Kill It With Fire later, so I'll leave that for later. Ooh. Mm. Uh, Futile Exercises said, One of my early musical introductions was a band called Sugar. Their album Copper Blue was a permanent fixture in my Discman at the time. After picking up their rather limited catalogue of one more album and EP, got interest in their lead member Bob Mould and his other projects. This brought me to his previous band, Huskadu, and his solo material, and sometimes and is sometimes accoladed as the godfather of grunge. He may not be my biggest idol, but his influence on my musical tastes in the early days of building my collection was substantial, and I think he deserves a bit mm. more recognition. Yeah, man. Uh, Ray has come in with, I think I'll pick Gorillas for this week. Funny enough, oh, wow. since the band is made up of cartoon characters, literally just idols, makes them fit the topic in a weird way. The virtual <laughs> yeah. nature of the band means that nothing seems to be certain about their work. How many m- members do they actually have? What kind of shenanigan evil Murdoch Nichols is going to pull off this time? Which collaborating artist is showing up unannounced in the new song and, what kind, and in what kind of a trippy way? And most importantly, what kind of music are they pulling out of the bag? Why does this matter, though? I find the general wackiness and unserious tone of the band creative and entertaining. I think above all, music should be fun, and Gorillaz is finding their fun in a unique way, and they keep doing it for years, turning seem- uh, seemingly gimmicky features into style with few replicas. Mm. Was, I really like it is. It is mm. uh, Damon Albarn, isn't it? It is. Yeah. Yes, I'm not yeah. going to confuse. I thought it was that fucking Clint Eastwood song. Like, bang! I like. Mm. Uh, I was like 19, 2000. I thought it was a great song. Mm. Yeah. It's there. It's there. It's there. That's. <laughs> <laughs> that was Sean Ryder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or feel, or feel Good Inc. Mm. Yeah. Feel Good. Uh, best bass system. Best bass line in pop, that one. It's a good bass line, that. Oof. Uh, John Cheatham is coming saying, Hi, modern escapism folks. I'll mention two. I'm going to butcher this one. The first is the band Ninjin Isu from Aomori in Japan. They formed in 1987 and are still prolifically releasing full length albums every one or two years. They dress traditionally and write about Japanese ghost stories, folklore, and Buddhist culture, and have some concept albums based on certain manga. However, they sound like an old-school Black Sabbath and Deep Purple. They also effortlessly mix in thunderous doom metal and even some of their intense thrash sections when they feel like it, as well as a lot of proggy stuff, particularly in their 90s material. Lead guitarist Shinji Wajima may look like a tiny old man now, but could stand toe-to-toe with Hendrix, Iomi, May, or Blackmore. That's not even for me fanboying. I honestly believe he's one of the great under-celebrated guitarists. The number of riffs and solos he comes out with that would single-handedly pull a, put a band in singing in English on the main stage as a bloodstock via a metal hammer cover feature is insane. They're criminally unknown and amazingly consistent, reliably cranking out albums 12 to 13 songs long that are great front to back. They played Ozfest Japan in 2013, which gave them a considerable boost in Japan, and they were a minor international sensation in 2019 when their song Heartless Scat went viral in certain parts of the internet. Go to their Spotify or Apple Music page and play something at random. If you don't like what you hear, then there may, may well be no salvaging your taste in music. <laughs> Se- yeah. Secondly, Jadakiss. 
This gravelly-voiced New York rapper has been a consistent wordsmith for over two decades now, since the early days of his group, the the LOX, being signed to Big, being signed to Diddy, and appearing alongside Notorious B.I.G. To Jada popping up on the smash hit Jenny from the Block, to his status as a respected OG in the hip hop industry now, whether churning out radio hits alongside Nate Dogg back in the day, or supplying—I'm I'm doing the silly voice here because I don't understand rap—or uh, <laughs> or supplying underground rappers and new talent with blistering guest verses, the man's dedication to his craft and to hip hop is plain to see. Uh, I've heard you rap. You know what rap is. I know. Uh, <laughs> I don't understand hip hop—the hip hop scene though. I just like the songs. <laughs> Jada has stated he listens obsessively, always staying immersed in what's coming out of the modern rap scenes as well as poring over the classics. As for his own work, there's always plenty of street wisdom and humour in his bars, making many of his verses unforgettable. I bought his second solo album the week, out, the, the week it was out after hearing several of the songs on Westwood. We don't talk about that. I, I'm playing it back to back for months after. Westwood! <laughs> to this day, I try to hear every song he records and every guest verse he does if I possibly can. He isn't the go- he isn't in the goat discussion enough, but I guarantee he's one of your favorite rappers' favorite rappers. Yeah, he's cool. Wow! And John Cheatham going for the Guinness World Record of most uh, just crazy Spotify playlist. Absolutely, that man's yeah, got yeah. a taste, hasn't he? That man's got a taste. Speaking of a man with a taste, Zenos. Oh, ah, here we go. Bit of an odd choice from me. The only person that comes to mind is my Masayoshi Soken. The lead composer for ah, Final Fantasy XIV. Final Fantasy, yeah. He has a taste. <laughs> he does. Uh, the community loves the man, not just for the quality of music he's directed, but also because we found out last year during a major fan convention he'd spent most of 2020 receiving chemotherapy. We found wow. out the same day he announced he was in remission, and while he'd been undergoing treatment, he composed one of the most heartrending pieces of music on the soundtrack. It's called To the Edge and is being sung by the last survivor of a near-extinct civilization about how they have nothing left but the memories of what once was, while they try to kill you in the hopes of restoring it. However that works. Without anyone else on the development team knowing he had cancer. The only one he told was the game's director, because being able to go on with his job as if nothing was wrong and nobody was worried about him gave him the stability he needed to keep doing it. One way or another, that man is an absolute legend. Aside from that, he's also part of Square's in-house band, The Primals, who run concerts during the aforementioned conventions. I believe he's their lead guitarist. Oh wait, no, there's someone else I need to add. The guy who runs the Device Orchestra YouTube channel is a goddamn genius. I remember when, um, when um, what's his name? Nobu Uematsu had his little metal band, The Black Majors. Yeah. yeah. Back in the early noughties. <laughs> that was good. They don't, they don't care at Square in. It's like, yeah, go be a band. Go for it. <laughs> Do it. Uh, and last Ooh. up, we, we we have the Welsh weirdo herself. It's Supernatty Cat. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Tom Jones. <laughs> yeah, she's 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 been she's been hitting hitting the Twitter and the drink at the same time again. <laughs> oh dear. Um, and and she started off with, I for one see this platform, read Twitter, as the correct way, Biggie. You passive aggressive bastard. <laughs> <laughs> he is in it. He's passive aggressive. He's such a HR man. He is disgusting. <laughs> My idol is Gerard Way. I looked up to him as the lead singer of My Chemical Romance as a kid without knowing his addictions and his run-in with suicidal thoughts. He managed to overcome his addictions, have a family and kids, and continue his career. He then pursued the dream of being a comic book writer and his amazing brain gave us Umbrella Academy, and he also does Doom Patrol, which is awesome. Then, after a massive mental health hit and a decade-long hiatus from My Chemical Romance, he returned and they're better than ever. His mind is magical and strange and brilliant and he pretends to be nothing but human despite his fame. He is my idol in so many ways. And I fancy him. That helps. 
Oh God, she wants to join the Black Parade, doesn't she? Bless her. I think she's part of it. I think I think when when she saw, when she saw them live, she snuck onto the tour bus or something. She's in the marching band. Oh bless my chemical romance. My friend once called them my chemical toilet, and it never left me. There. It's so funny. <laughs> I like them. I like them, but it's just funny that he called them that. In, in earnestness, he was like oh, that my chemical toilet band. It's not what they're called. It's not what they're called. It's cool. Tribute band. Is that it, is that it all? Is that that's it all? A, that's it all. Thank you, thank you for writing in everybody and thank you for sharing your deepest idols. So, as always, links to all our extracurricular activities are in the show notes and at modernescapism.co.uk and please consider becoming a patron to help support our endeavour. Next week, it's a funny one, it's our music album reviews. Um, Basically, we're going to give each other an album to listen to this week and come back with a review. Um, You lucky patrons will be able to hear us pick who we have randomly chosen from a randomly chosen website thing that Stig sent me a link to. <laughs> and, and yeah, we're going to give it. So in the green room, you will you will hear us give that off. So if you're not a patron, I mean, it's the end of the show for you guys. Um, thank you for listening anyway, but see you in the green room, patrons. But to everyone else, <laughs> goodbye. Showing up on Audacity, the old Fanny McGee blowing on my ass. Oh.